Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it with, you made it with, you made it with. Holy cow, 100 episodes, weirdos. That's incredible. How did we get here? It, it's gone by so fast, and, and, and it's been, I don't think I have to tell you, it's been incredibly rewarding, and I'm so happy that uh, Chelsea Peretti, my best, worst friend, uh, got to come in and interview me for the 100th episode, which is great. I know a lot of people have pointed out pretty much every episode is an interview of me, and I get that, but this was kind of fun. This was a fun little thing. We uh, did some questions that you guys mailed in, and they were good questions, and it was fun. It was also nice to uh, express a little bit of gratitude of what the show has meant, um, what Katie has meant, our wonderful tech, who's great. If you want to donate to Katie, you made it weird.com. There's a donate button and also t-shirts, all that sort of stuff. But guys, this has been great. It's It's been uh, one of the most, or if not the most meaningful thing that I've ever worked on, and I'm, I'm so glad that you guys enjoy it and have stuck around uh, for the ride, and I can't wait to see where we go from here. I know that's a cliche, but that's true. I really can't wait to see where we go from here. So thank you. Sincerely, thank you for all the support and love and uh, continuing listenership. What is this, NPR? From the weirdos. Uh, I, I, I couldn't mean that more sincerely. If you want to come see some live shows, uh, these are the same dates as usual. I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. at U Street Music Hall on one night, November 12th. I'm going to go to Nashville for one night at the High Watt, November 16th. Atlanta, Georgia for one night at the Relapse Theater on November 17th. Boston for one night at the Paradise Rock Club. San Francisco, I'm going to be there for the weekend with Kyle Kinane, November 29th through December 2nd at Cobbs. December 2nd is the live You Made It Weird in San Francisco. That's going to be a great time. Portland at Helium, December 5th through 8th. Philly, Helium, December 12th through 15th. And New York, New York, back at the Gramercy. Uh, excuse me for doing a... <laughs> not going to edit that out. A hiccup. Uh, New York, New York, stand-up show at the Gramercy Theater, December 21st. Email the show, weirdatnerdist.com. Go to facebook.com, regular slash, you made it weird. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, put your uh, well-wishing for the 100th episode there. And uh, if you want to support the show... The ad is Amazon this week. So all you got to do, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, just go to Nerdist.com first, then go to You Made It Weird, then go to this episode, click on the banner, shop like you normally would. That's it. That's it. Now we get into it, the episode. Again, sincerely, weirdos, thank you so, so much for listening, and thank you for being a part of this uh, whole strange experiment and wonderful experiment with me. Uh, I know it's silly. I do think of this as our show, and it's been great sharing with, uh, with you guys. Here's to another, here's to another hundred. Okay. <laughs> I can't do this right now. <laughs> you get the notes. I can't take what notes. Note? That's my notepad. That's where you write down the notes. <laughs> While we're talking, if, if, we, if we have something that you think we might forget to talk about, you write it down. That's your Were job. Were you supposed to give me a ride? Wasn't that part of our agreement? I'm going somewhere after this. Where? To a friend's birthday party. What friend? What friend? Yeah, dummy, what friend? <laughs> You don't know them. I don't agree. Ah! Who is it? Whose party is it, you asshole? You do not know this friend. I promise you. There's no way. There's no way you know them. I'm going to tweet it. What are you going to tweet? If I'm going to tweet, Pete said he's going to a birthday tonight, and he assures me it's not of a mutual friend. It's not of a mutual friend. Will you put your earphones on? Make it real. You're the host of the show. We're not starting yet, are we? Yes, this is all recorded. (laughs) That's how this works. And you know what? I'm going to sit here like the guest, and it'll be your show. Okay, I need the Wi-Fi password. 
and everything. You can you can be in charge. <sighs> is that Ladies the iTelephone Five? No. I was gonna I don't ask say you. I telephone five. What is this? An open mic? Yeah, oh, I just did the open mic. Are you downstairs. guys on the internet? <laughs> oh, Anybody fuck. use the internet? Oh no! I telephone is good. That's mine. <laughs> I say I telephone five Is that the I telephone five It's funny. Oh god, that is not funny. God, I, you really need to examine yourself. I'm gonna kill myself tonight. I don't hear anything in these headphones. Then turn yourself up, dummy. There you go. I Hello. Yeah, I, I still up. barely hear. It. Tur- no, How's that? Three? How's that? Oh, now that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> that's going to be a lot with your lap. <laughs> now, you know, I don't know if this bodes well for you, Pete, but I ask comedians <coughs> to DM me questions, and not one has so far. <laughs> okay, where's number oh. three? <laughs> oh, you big... <laughs> I'm a galoot. Ew, when you cough... Oh. <laughs> Don't make fun of my cough. No, I'm just saying, I'm not making fun of it. Don't marshal my... I'm saying, just do it in the other direction, not straight towards my face. Okay. All right, guys. We were supposed to have supper together, and you didn't do it. Well... So instead, I, I watched you, Sherlock Holmes. Game we were of also Shadows. supposed to drive together, and well, you I guess didn't we both bailed on part A and part B. Yeah, once you say like, "Meet me at the place right across the street from where just I'm so going to already be, be stressed." Wait a minute. We or so you? We. Copy cranking through my sis. Copy cranking through my sis. Do you listen to the podcast? through my sis. I've called in several times and you've never noticed me. You're kidding. That's hilarious. What if that were true? I wish that were true. Oh, I thought it was. Uh, You know what? I I think, well, anyway, I don't want to get into spoilers. I read the questions. At first I was like, ugh, there's not enough. Um, I meant to tell you off mic what I didn't want you to ask me about. Uh, tell me on mic. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So it's all across the board. There are some themes. I was starting to like parcel them into different themes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, it would have been hours of work. So we'll have some loose organization. That's fine. But you also, you're allowed to ask your things because this this, this whole idea. I have almost no interest in you <laughs> <laughs> this whole no, that's not true. This whole idea started because you and I go to Tendy G's. We go to Tendy G's. <laughs> admit tender it. Greens, we go to Tender greens. greens and we get salads and then we go to Griff- Griffith. Wait, park. are you just right now trying to assert that we're friends? Yeah. <laughs> and then when we go to the park oh, and we eat sad. salads like friends. You said there's so much that people don't know about you that you feel like you do know about me. I said that? Yes. This is where the whole whole idea came from. You were like, I'm going to uncover your secret wrath and rage and alcoholism or whatever you wanted to uncover. Whoa, 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 Pete. Now you're really bringing things to a different place than I thought. Well, no. Oh, my God. There's a bunch of little orphan children across the hall. That's me and Gil. Those are my Asian children. Oh. Um, so, okay, so and I thought we'd just... He's, your notes. Okay, my notes. I didn't write down any questions of my own. That's okay. But, you know, I'm sure I'm, I'm pretty quick on my feet. <laughs> You're on the so, back of your heels. As I think of stuff, I am going to ask it. Yeah, as sure. As you well know, I'm never one to hold back. I always want to <clears> just, you know, shoot from the hip. You know what we could talk about? We could talk, we could talk about Appleton. I haven't talked about that yet. What's that? Remember when I told you about the beds? The what? The beds moving the mattresses. Oh, yeah. yeah. We could talk about that that's, if you want to. I mean, to. I don't think that's very revealing. And like I said, I was, you know, I, anyway. Well, listen, well, let's get into, I think we should start from the letters. Start from the people. 
you know, I'm always really into <laughs> I feel other weird people. that I'm in the guest seat, but okay. I can't believe, like, yeah, it's just so funny to me that you're making such a big deal out of, like, you're sitting in the guest seat as if it's, like... A thing? Yeah. That's like, one of my favorite tweets of you're yours. You're a legend to yourself. It's, like, as if you think you're James Lipton. <laughs> and you have the piles of questions. Can we talk to Pierce? <laughs> <laughs> is this what it's like when I'm making notes? It's very distracting. I'm just trying to square. I know, with filled with other squares. So, okay, here's the first uh, email that I wanted to read. Hi, Chelsea. I'd like to hear more about Pete's cartooning slash illustration influences. Really? I'm surprised it doesn't come up more on the show, considering he records it in a comic book store. He mentioned he likes the Norwegian cartoonist Jason. I and do. And he's brought up his New Yorker influences, but that's about it. Thanks, Eddie Feig. <laughs> Design and illustration, Chicago, Illinois. First of all, mm. I read this and I thought, now this is why I don't listen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> this man is genuinely curious about comedian, up and coming comedian Pete Holmes's up and coming car- cartooning influences. Mm. <laughs> Are you really upset? No, no, no. But anyway, I just think that's hilarious. But no, I do. It is a good. It is a good time to point out that I literally have only listened to my episodes of this show. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I've thought about it, and I think that Why I would. You listen to like Jesselnick or something. You'd like. That I one. would listen to Nick Kroll. Kroll, you'd love. I he heard. Makes fun I of me heard the whole he did time. that. Yeah, I heard he did that. Song. And we talk about Man of the People coat. Right. So I would listen to that. I want to hear Gerard's. Gerard's is great. What Jesselnick did he open up or what? What happened in that? Jesselnick was the morning after a breakup, mm. which we're familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like he was uh, he was in a, a, a special place. He was in like a low place. It was very really? nice to talk to him in that way. So he was like being vulnerable, or not? yeah, I think so. Jesselnick sounds exactly like the woman that Betty Draper leaves Don for. Have you noticed that woman that Betty leaves John the, for? The man that Betty. His you name, said woman. Did I? That's. Interesting. <laughs> his name is what's his name? And also, P.S. I have two episodes left of that show. Henry to watch. Francis. I have two episodes. I know left on my TiVo that because, I've saved. Yeah, but it's I'm been ready like to five go. Five years. I'm ready to go. Come sit on the Nissan Verano. It's a big couch. Oh, that was one of someone's questions. What was that? Was what kind of couch does Pete Holmes have that he talks about? Being... I do talk about a lot. Yeah, and I was like, again, it's a crate and barrel. It's called the Verano. <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> Fuck you. Just embrace your, your this. Your listeners are going deep. Oh no! no. I'm just giving you a deep. Hard it's time, a deep seated couch. It's a deep seated couch. Way to tie it together. <laughs> Unfortunately, you're in the <laughs> you're I, in the hot seat, I not the so host seat. Badly. Question number two. I want to put you in a catapult. Is that possible? Question number two. Comes the Verano. From Wait, Steven. can I answer the first question? <laughs> yeah, I didn't answer. I know. Oh, fuck you forever. Every day, fuck you. Every day, I want to wake you by cracking you in the face I, with an oar. I literally thought we were done with that one. That I- is not... I didn't answer. <laughs> okay, fine. Gar- Don't you love Gary Larson, Farside? One yeah, of my favorite? Sure. Calvin like, and Hobbes. I like Calvin and Hobbes. Love Calvin and Hobbes. Got a lot of Calvin and Farside And Farside was good, yeah. Farside is great. I feel like people are ripping off Farside all the time. 
I don't want to chime in too much because Eddie Feig was not asking for my cartoon. No, I want that. That's the show. The host is supposed to interject their opinion <laughs> constantly. All, constantly and without request. Right, right. And uh, without relent. We've talked about my favorite New Yorker guys, but it's it's definitely Bruce Eric Kaplan and Alex Gregory and Matt Diffie. I and, wish oh, I and, wish I had the button sound effects from my show. Uh, <laughs> I told you we should have done a crossover and you just ignored me. Just release this as one of yours. No fool. No ring, way. ring, ring, ring. It's somebody that does hip hop dancing that wants to date you. Honestly. <laughs> 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 it's someone in a puffy starter jacket that wants to ask you out. That's funny. But listen, <laughs> not, not that funny. Definitely not that funny. But uh, no, I Paul suggested Nose. I suggested we do an episode at my studio where we take calls and yeah. do all this stuff. And Pete just kind of kept ignoring me. Well, I wanted to do this. Right. Instead of just saying that. He By just, the way, also, Mark is not mad at me. Marin? Marin. I do think we should call him. Because we, we can call him. Mark was saying that he did, Berbiglia interviewed him for, for his, his 200th. Whatever. Who gives a shit? It's the same idea. I'm right there with you. But, Who gives a shit? But anyway, Mark Marin was coming after <laughs> Pete on Twitter, and Pete was just I'm joking, just joking, joshing, yeah. jittering, jitterbug. <laughs> I was a jitterbug josher. He was. And I'm like, I feel like Mark is really going for the jugular and is serious. And Pete's like, nah, he's being a little silly, Billy. Look. He got mad. I think he was faking. I think he was fooling. I he not. was mad at the idea of me having someone interview me for the 100th episode. He was like, where do you get that idea? And then I saw him recently. I did an episode of his IFC television show, which is already a sign that he's not mad at me. If he was mad at me, he wouldn't ask me to do his show. Oh, okay. And then I was like, were you mad about that? And he was like, well, well, we can call him. At the end of the episode, we will call him. He did say not an answer, just said call me. No, no, no. He he gave the answer. I just don't want to spoil oh, oh, okay. it. Okay. I don't want to spoil it. Um, someone just wrote on Twitter, is your D in proportion to the rest of your giant body? I think I have a pretty big penis, yeah. You do? <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen someone more amped more amped to answer a question and then more sickly sickly and contagious. I'm not doing well. This is I'm upsetting. in a loopy place. The I'm past- in a tight room with you. I'm going to get sick from this horrible podcast. The past five episodes, I've been really loopy. My head's... Can you turn your fucking phone off? No, Brain I have Dead to get Walsh these... Brain Dead Walsh is texting you during the fucking messages. podcast. Is this an episode of Bone Zone speaking right of, now? Speaking of Brendan Walsh, why haven't you had him on the show? There's a uh, lot of lesser... Lot of, lesser? There's a lot of lesser. lesser. There's a lot of lesser comedians you've had on the show. Why no Walsh? Oh, I thought you were going to say... Uh, no, Brendan will do the show. Oh, great. We have it in uh, the version of writing of the 2012. Katie, can you edit that out? I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing. You're, all, you're always giving me a hard time. Brendan and I had a bromance that flared up pretty good, and then we stopped hanging out as much. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say to that. I mean, I want to get into it, but I don't mm. at the same time. You know, he's my best friend. You're an acquaintance. I don't want to get... Fuck <laughs> you. You know what's weird about you? Is, is you, you have an orbit of guy friends. You do. You have an orbit of them. We're all your moons. And we all like take, uh, take turns being your fave, I feel. Uh, no. I'm always trying to vie to be your favorite. I like you being are. your favorite. Uh, Zach would agree. Zach Kreger. Whatever. I never hang out no, with no. Zach. He, <laughs> what a weird response! Well, we used to hang out, like we used to go on walks and stuff, and then like I haven't seen him. In- well, he's—I think he's been busy. He's a great guy. You love Zach. I hate everyone. 
No, I do like Zach, but I, yeah, I guess every, you know, but everyone's great for. I didn't mean to make this weird for you, but you're a special thing. You're like this. You're like a. You're, okay, look, you're an attractive, fun. Whoa. 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 <laughs> we're getting, we're jumping the gun you're, on some of these questions. <laughs> you're not my favorite flavor of woman. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, I'm just I saying mean, you are. Uh, you're a commodity. You're interesting. You're fun to talk to, and there are all these guy friends that you have. Mm-hmm. And none of us are like jealous or weird when you have a boyfriend, but we are a little bit competitive with your other guy friends. I am. That's like if you're like if you're like true. I'm going to brunch with Kroll, who's a friend of mine too. I'm like, why aren't I invited? But aren't you and like tonight, that with the Kroll if he was going with Mulaney? I suppose so. You know what I mean? It's a little bit different, I think, because maybe because you're a lady. I don't know. Right. All right. <laughs> okay. Now it's here. your your job is host to delve deeper. You you can call it. Uh, Which you I, just did. I, I'll, yeah, I will when I, when I feel good and ready. Okay, now second question's from Stephen Von Grimm. Oh, I know Stephen. You do? No. <laughs> <laughs> Von Grimm! The Vonnie G's? VG! VG! SVG! Um, okay, <laughs> he says... through my <laughs> He says, after 100 episodes of talking about yourself, do you find it ridiculous? <laughs> Fuck you, SVG. <laughs> Do you find it redundant to have an episode where you Fuck are interviewed? you, SVG. <laughs> uh, completely, of course. Yeah, of course. I didn't think this would necessarily be that different from a regular episode where you're just the guest. Another person named Kashif. I know Kashif. <laughs> oh, Kashif from Surrey, Canada? Yeah, he's the villain in Aladdin. He or she writes in. <laughs> oh, no. All I can think of is what could there possibly be that Pete hasn't already told us while he's been interviewing other people? That's true. Similar question. Similar question. Okay. Those now, are both valid points. Third third letter. Chelsea, first of all, <laughs> Yala trip. Secondly... <laughs> <laughs> is this from Jaiko? Uh, uh, no, she doesn't talk like that. You are racist. Um, secondly, isn't interviewing Pete redundant? Doesn't he do that every episode? For fuck's sake, let's have a new episode that where it isn't focused on Pete. There you go. All in jest. I saw you in Ames, Chelsea. You killed in spite of a terrible opener. <laughs> Who's your opener? I just wanted to. Who's your opener? I don't know. Actually, oh. I can't. I don't know what they're talking about. But I would like. I just wanted to include this because they said I killed. <laughs> <laughs> Next the, question. Okay. Are you afraid your loud laugh threatens your success? Mm, who, who the fuck? <laughs> what? Who, what's the name of the person that, that said that? That one didn't have a name. No name. Coward. Coward! They said, if your show does get picked up, will you take steps to contain your laugh? Who wrote that? Nick Kroll? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? I was just talking to Marin about this, actually. Is that like... Your best friend. Mm, see? You're jealous of me in the way that I'm jealous of you. And you have fr- uh, that friends with other jealousy. people. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> I, uh, in order to get the real big laugh from me, there needs to be a little bit of like... Fe- Anything. Fuck you forever. Every day. Every day with a lit broom. No one's... It's like, oh my god, I got the highest honor. I finally got Pete Holmes to laugh. No, that's actually there it comes there comes times when I'm hanging out with people and they tell a joke and I don't laugh. You know funny. me, regular that is, me. That's what it is. Yeah. It's when you don't when laugh. When I don't laugh. Uh, that's got to be the worst joke that's ever been told. It really hurts people's feelings. Yeah, People come funny. up to me sometimes, after, or, or even other comedians' friends will make jokes and I'll just be like... <laughs> <laughs> 
It's such an insult. But there needs to be a little bit of fear funny. and anxiety behind it to really get it to flourish. Yeah. That's why you and Marin make me laugh harder than anybody, because there's a little bit of meanness behind it. Which, BT dubs, it still happens to this day. People at reply like cruelty to me because they think I'll like it because you do it. Right, right. Like, I you'll know, be well, like, kill yourself. To, people do that to me, too. Really? Yeah, because they just think, oh, yeah, you're a comedian. You know, like, anything's funny to you. And then right. I'm like, I'm going to block you. They're like, wait, I'm yeah, kidding. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very sensitive. People people make fun of me all the time and be like, your love for AIDS or whatever. And I'm just like, who are you? And then it makes you sad? It does make me sad. Do you sad. block people? I sometimes block people. I have to be in a pretty confident place to block somebody, though. Confident? I'm the opposite. If I'm having a bad day, I will block someone in a second. Really? Yeah. If I'm having an off day, I'm like, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, I'm just being sensitive. (laughs) (laughs) Even if they're like, you're the worst, I hate your face. Oh, no, I will do it. I'll walk off stage and someone's like, you know, you have an Adam's apple, and I'm just like, blocked. (laughs) 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 Goodbye forever, you piece of shit. Oh, Jesus, you have an Adam's apple. I I just bombed it. Now I have to read this horrible reflection of myself. You get worse shit than I do. For it's horrible. Sure. You get it's way horrible. worse shit than me. Way worse. Yeah, your your appearance. I mean, I'm sure no one ever says anything to you about your appearance except just like how not skinny, really skinny no. you are now. Well, they'll say that, but then I, I guess. But then I'll also get like doughy, fatty face. I guess guys oh. get it too. Yeah, but it's very rare. I know you get it more than I do. Constantly. Constant. What do you? Doing? I just block people. Why are you checking your phone? Because the- I'm seeing if any comedians wrote anything. Are you mad at me? All right. Let's go to the next question. Uh, hey, Pete, you have an incredible... This is the nicer version of that question. Oh, I like this. Hey, Pete. <laughs> you- <laughs> oh, I like this. I like this one. You have an incredible high-energy stage persona. Thank you. What's this How girl's name? You- Johnny Levin. Hi, Johnny. How do you go about turning It's a weird that- name for a girl. <clears throat> how do you go about turning that on like if you're having a shitty day how do you go about transitioning to that high energy guy when they announced you to come on stage do you find it difficult to do so i've actually wondered this myself with your level of energy i can't imagine being anything less than on cocaine (laughs) and in top-notch health yeah, no, that's that, That's a great question. Like, that, what if you have a headache? What if you're a little tired? What if you just went through a breakup? Does your energy change? Yeah, no. Sometimes I'm worried, like, the Sunday night show, if I do a weekend, Sunday night is, like, a really different show. When you come into the week, uh, like, a Thursday. What's your th- favorite show of the weekend? Thursday. Yeah, Thursdays are fun, Ooh, right? I love Thursday. And Friday... Friday early. I hate Saturday late show the most. Me too. Yeah. All the ones that have expectation. Expectation is just such an. But it's not even that. It's just the drunk partiers come to the late night Saturday. Sitting and you're just like, hey, 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 over here, over here, snap, snap, snap. Hello, hello, hello. The people that really want to see you come and see you on Thursday. Like they're really excited to see you, and they come out the first night you're in town. And then Sunday, like by the time I get to Sunday, I'm so tired. Like I get tired of being myself. Oh, Sunday when I'm about to go on stage i'm just like all right let's fucking get this over of with. course but for me like sometimes i, I told ron funches this i was like i picked the wrong persona like he he can be really well i back. think that goes without saying <laughs> it's fucking true you know as i told oh, uh, as Jesus, i was remarking Jesus. to ron funches oh fuck you so many times with a broom i said ron funches no. 
I chose the wrong damn persona. I tell you what. Because, well, a comedian's persona is a side of them. And I happen to pick the side that's like very happy to see everybody and very excited to be doing stand-up. And you don't always feel that way. Right. I absolutely don't always feel that way. Often Sunday night, that'll be like this really laid back, kind of darker, a little bit darker show where I'm a little tired of the material and stuff. Yeah. But there, there are little tricks. I, I find, I think I've talked about this a little bit before, where's the idea... If I have a show and I'm tired of doing it, like what I'll do is I won't talk to people all day. And then by the time I get to the club, I'm, I literally am excited but to what, see how anybody. How would you talk to people if you're on the road? Well, I, you know, I'll bring an opener or something, but that day I'll like deliberately uh, not uh-huh. talk to them. Like take the, take time to be by myself. So openers, just beware if you're hanging out with Pete on the road. <laughs> Sundays are a no no go. <laughs> this is so. You're right. It's super pretentious, but it's true. It's hard. It's it is hard, and sometimes I do feel like I'm letting the crowd down if I'm not genuinely ecstatic and laughing at my right. own jokes and stuff. And it's true. It's just something I have to deal with. Yeah. It's it's tiring. I just I my- feel the opposite where I'm like, I feel like I'm always on this dark side. And sometimes I'm like, I feel like a silly, happy person. Then I get on stage. I'm like, the evil yeah, the darkness. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm like, why am I leading people down this path? I don't even feel this I'm negative. Sure there's times when like anybody, Louis C.K. gets up and he doesn't feel like, like really telling it like it is. You know but what I mean? See, to just- me, that's the limitation of the medium where I'm like, I get disillusioned with stand-up where I'm like, you should be able to reflect whatever place you're in and be honest. And you Well, can't that's what really, Gerard would say. You can't really generate material. I mean, I can't I, that quickly that it can reflect any mood. I mean, I try to as much as possible. Those are the people that I enjoy is where they, I feel like their performances are different, you know, yes. depending on their moods and stuff. That's what Gerard did. When he did, that's why you should listen to his episode. It's like talking to the Dalai Lama, as somebody said. He, he's so great. He's He's super young, but he's like, he believes in doing the show that belongs in that hour in that space. Like, I get up there and I'm like, breast milk? What a weird idea. But sometimes I don't feel like breast milk's that weird. I just talked about it earlier that night. I don't think it's that amazing anymore. And a lot of my material relies on me being really enthusiastic and jazzed by my own thoughts. And if I already told the joke that night, I don't feel that way. That's why it's helpful to mix it up and that's why it's helpful to improvise and that's why it's helpful to, as Gerard said... Just kind of like follow your own train of thought and see where you go. What's the weirdest sex fantasy about a hot teacher slash mentor type you had anywhere between elementary school and high school? This comes from Andrew Dodson. Andrew Dodson. (laughs) I know Andrew. These all feel like made up names. Dodson. What is the weirdest sexual fantasy I had for a teacher? I've always found teachers really sexy. Mm -hmm. Women in authority. It was always very hot for me. I'm trying to remember so typical I have uh, there's weird- we can skip ahead to the next one while you mull that over question question for Pete oh god <laughs> when your wife cheated on you do you think <laughs> <laughs> good opening when your wife cheated on you, do you think- she was a teacher by the way was fuck she? her man fuck her were you her little student never not once we didn't do were anything you, fun were you her student where you learned that sometimes life is horribly unfair I want to light you on fire and throw, sh- I want to throw you in a well while you're on oh, fire. Oh, that's good. No, you're actually no, no, skipping no. ahead to a question. Someone asked, like, Do I, I want to let you on fire? I detailed how I would murder you. <laughs> they said, How would Pete 
murder Chelsea. Now we know. You'd light me on fire, throw me down a well. Well, first I would heave a pitchfork at you from a field's <laughs> distance away. Before so, I'm on fire? Way before you're on so fire. So I'm running. So it's nighttime. <laughs> and you're standing in a cornfield. And there's like a full moon. And you're just like, this is weird. I thought Pete was going to meet me. And then you just hear... You, you hear the sound of what could only be a pitchfork heaved through the cool night air. And then it, you you know it's too late to even try to move. Shunk. It's S-H-U-N-C-K into your full body. And then I light you on fire and throw you into a well. What if the pitchfork kind of bars my entry into the well? Yeah, I'll, I have to remove it. <laughs> you put your foot on my stomach and pull it out. It's hard to yeah, do. you have to get it's, leverage. <laughs> It would be hard Why to do. Why is it so fun to violently I know, about murder? I know. I'm really picturing it in what you're wearing yeah. right now. And there's like the boot print on your stupid light colored tank top. <laughs> it comes out. Uh, that is Dirty. Funny. You really okay, heard wait, it coming. No, so the end of their question was. <laughs> when my wife cheated on me. Yes. Do you think that comedy was the only coping mechanism you had? In other words, do you think you would have been able to get to the point of, and this is a questionable word, <laughs> comfortability mm. <laughs> on this matter had you been in any other profession? I think comedy helped a lot. I think it did help a lot. But I mean, like, I didn't deal with it that great. There was a lot of fucking darkness being on the road. I went on the road for like... I did 50 colleges right after my wife and I split. And I didn't handle it that great. I had one hour of the Where day. Where was that? You know the video you put of you bombing? Yeah, Peoria. Where was that in relation to your divorce? <laughs> she saw me bomb and was like, I am out. Was it? No, no, no. Uh, that was, that was when I was in Chicago. Trying to do real Chicago. answers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's when I was in Chicago with Billy Burr. And uh, that was while I was still married. That was early oh, okay. on. So I was still married This was when she was beginning to fall out of love. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Was she at that show? Whoa. No, no, no. She never came to shows. She she was pretty separate from my life. Mm, that's always a good sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when you have that did friend. You, did you have that in your vows? Don't come to shows. Remain very separate in most ways. Well, poor fucking thing. Both of us. I, uh, what was I going to tell you? I think comedy helped because it, it put me on the road and gave me something to focus on. As long as you have anything to focus on, I don't care if you're like a fucking pastry chef. If you have something that you can do a lot of the time and see the results of it and see people be happy and have something to take your focus off your stupid relationship, I think that'll help. I don't think it needed to be comedy. It, and it wasn't for a very, very long time until I was able to talk about that in comedy on stage. So I don't think it directly was healing me. But the travel of it... And the, and the affirmation of it, having strangers love you in place of what should have been my stupid wife loving me, that did help. It did help to have like fans right. cheering and that sort of stuff. Sorry Do to you make feel it healed now? I think, you know what's weird? I think the real healness, the real healingness now is acknowledging that it's still painful. It I think still that's the, is? I think that's the truth. I it think still is? The more, the, what you do immediately is you put so much ice on the wound that you numb it. That's what you do. You just say I. Okay, I, I put so much ice on the wound that I numb it, and I erased files, I erased photographs, you know, like mentally, yeah. and also on my computer, but just like got rid of it. And it was just like, this didn't happen, this was never important to me. And the longer I go without that relationship, the real maturity, the real healing is acknowledging that it, that it did fuck me up. But you don't still pine for her in no, any no, way. No, 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 zero percent. It's more that do you still feel like 
you're now worried about getting married again? Or no, something? no, no. I, I'm, I'm still uh, in favor of marriage, and I'm still a believer in uh, commitment and all that sort of stuff. I don't even have trust issues. You think you might. If someone cheated on you, you think you might be like, fuck yeah. that. I, I, I've never really had a problem with that. Um, it's, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you should. No, I don't know. You should. I don't know. Probably you I? shouldn't. No, I forget what I was going to I don't think you. it makes you any safer to not trust people, you know? No, I, I, I'm totally in favor of all that sort of stuff. So I don't miss her. Unfortunately, I got married when I was 22. So I, when I think about the marriage, I'm thinking about my youth. I'm thinking about innocence. I, I had my faith. So I believed like in a much simpler thing. I believed in. So it's a whole different person and life. Whole, yeah. <clears throat> lifestyle. I, I look at it like a stranger and I go, I miss that, that sweetie Petey. You know what I mean? I look at him and I just vomited. <laughs> <laughs> but I miss that simplicity. I miss that closeness to uh, the church and, and to my wife and just like life was just but a little bit easier. People, do you still go to church at all? No. You, why don't you? Because fuck that, man. truly if you guys could see these eyes it's the eyes of a true psychotic (laughs) i mean why not i feel like if you yearn for that it seems like i would go to church some random sunday it's more like you yearn for the time when you believed in santa claus right right or the tooth fairy it was fun to believe that one of the questions i got was do you believe in god is there a god pete you're supposed to ask that at the end of the show why? I think it's coming up always, naturally right now. You, even if it comes up. No, no, no. It's totally oh, fine. Oh, why? Is that a bit that you do on your show? You fucking suck all day. Why? All day. <laughs> I just want to heave you into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I definitely... Hmm, I believe that there is something. That's what I believe. And I don't know. I think God is a word for something that we can't describe. That's what I would say. That the energy that binds us all together, the idea of creation of life, this whole life force, this whole All right, you know, I forget it. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm just kidding. You guys. fucking suck so much. So I, I don't believe in the God that I used to believe in. I don't yeah. believe in that idea of like, I really believed in the lifeguard God that was watching and modern, monitoring my thoughts. Like yeah. if I was like, I want to fuck that girl. I believed in the God that was like slapping me on the wrist with a yardstick. You know, right. I don't believe in that anymore. Uh, but I do believe that there is something. I absolutely do. I, I feel like people that lack belief have somehow lost the wonder of just this existence, this life, this, the fact that this exists is a miracle to me. People are talking about an afterlife. I'm, I think the biggest argument for an afterlife is the fact that there's a life in, at all. You know what I mean? Like this life makes no sense. An afterlife is just as irrational. Did you see Katy Perry's movie? No. Which one? About, like, her concert tour and stuff? No. Oh, because she was brought up in a Pentecostal, like, extremely religious childhood. And I was just curious what what you would have thought of that movie. Yeah. I like The Pentecostal church is is interesting to me because those are people that are really trying to believe the things that most Christians say they believe, but really in a hands-on way. You know, like... We believe in salvation and redemption and Jesus came for us and they like fucking flip out and do backflips and handle snakes and stuff. And I respect that. But I also respect the high church that people are just like, let's just recite prayers that are a thousand years old and just say them in unison in a monotone voice. I get both sides of that. See, they all seem the same to me, but yeah, I grew up with no religion. So, oh, this is a good one. What do you do on a day where you have no show and no stand-up to do that day? Love the show. Thanks, guys. Kevin from Appleton. Oh, hey, Kevin. You know him? No. (laughs) (laughs) 
You know, I do very badly. That's the answer. I do badly when I have no show and nothing to do really? that day. Yeah. I, well, don't you go meditate and do yoga and go on walks and you know, Chelsea, it's so interesting. Make juice. If if it's it's all indicative of where I am uh, in my life. If I'm in a bad relationship and I have a day. Mm, what? <laughs> Your tone right now is really like to me as if you're Tom Cruise or like De Niro or something. Like, like a Scientologist. Or just like really like people are like, what does Madonna do ah. <laughs> on a free day? But here's what I've noticed is like if I'm in a bad way, like if the best example I can give you is if I'm in a relationship that I know is wrong, that's mm-hmm. when I don't take care of myself mm-hmm. because like it takes all this like self-abuse and drinking and sort of stuff to like numb the part of my brain that knows that I'm not doing the best that I should be doing for myself. If I'm running my own life and I'm doing well and things are going well successfully in my career and my personal life and I'm seeing friends and stuff, then a day off will be very successful. I'll drink fucking kale juice and and meditate and go to yoga and and see friends and, you know, like answer emails. You know, those days just like you'll book flights for upcoming shows. You just take care of business. But if like life isn't going well and there are obstacles in my mind and I know like maybe I'm dating a girl that I shouldn't be dating or, or, or whatever, then a day off will be bad. I'll draw the blinds and I'll watch fucking Mad Men all day and just be a recluse. But what's bad with that? That sounds good. Did I mention I'm drinking? (laughs) (laughs) Not always, but I mean, like, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I'm not that great. Sometimes I I run into ruts and that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff. And then other night, there's two two choices. You and I go on night walks. You and I. Sometimes. It's been a long time. Sometimes we go on night walks. And then other times my life isn't going as well. And then you stay in and I'll like drink and watch a movie. That's mm-hmm. the other version. When things are going better. You're bringing up a lot of drinking. I mean, I feel like <clears> my <throat> task. Oh, shit. Your bracelet. My very expensive bracelet. Uh, Forever 21. No, girl. <laughs> Forever 31. No, girl. <laughs> but very original premise. Oh, fuck you. So <laughs> Never heard times. that by any comedian before. I'm going to light the hair around your asshole on fire. Do you still hit up open mics? Do I what? Still hit up open mics? I just did the open mic downstairs. It's shelling. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Does Pete think he gets past the virgin whore thing? Hmm. When thinking of women, I don't know what that means. Gets past. I think they mean like in the future, will you get past it? No one does. That's a great one. No one does. Chelsea, you and I just talked about this. I was telling you that I was seeing a girl that was like uh, fit, remember? Mm -hmm. And I was like, it didn't bother me if she went out and was like showing cleavage or whatever. Right. And then you also know that I dated a girl that was very voluptuous. Right. And it used to drive me fucking crazy. Right. When she went out and would show her tits. And you and I was like, I, I, I was telling you how great it was to be with a more typical body style because I was like, if guys check her out, it doesn't bother me. Whereas when I was with Booby Girl, I, I wanted to kill myself and I wanted to kill them for looking at her. And I was like, so it's so nice to be with a regular girl. And if she dresses sexy, I don't care. And you really challenged me because you were like, oh, then you're just like everybody. Because in the media, remember you said this? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like models have no tits and they can wear really low-cut things yeah. and it's not provocative. With their nipples showing. It doesn't matter. fashion, you It's know? just an ad at a bus stop. Right. But if you're like a fucking BBW, like a fucking stacked What's woman. What's BBW? Big, beautiful woman. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, what? Where do you get that term? Porn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is, that your, is that your search word? No. 
<laughs> Maybe. I mean, no, I don't really type in BBW. Kumail and Emily fuck with me because bed, bed, bath, and bed, bath, and no. What is it? Bed, Bath, Body Works? Bed, Bath, and Beyond. What is the one that's bath BBW? And body works. Bath and Body Works. There's one that says, I Heart BBW. It's a Bath Body Works thing. And Emily gave it to me. It's on my fridge that says, I Heart BBW. Cause she how does, does she know that? They know, they know everything about me. But how do they know that term, BBW? Everybody I mean, knows I look that at term. Porn. I've never heard that You look before. at porn? Yeah. Weird. That's not weird. Do you look at porn, Katie? Yeah, come on. People Katie's like look a at dude, porn. though. Girls look at porn. <laughs> Girls look at porn. Girls don't look at porn. Girls do look at Now, this is actually very apropos of, of this the topic. Whole women, like, whores thing. It's like, yeah, do you know how much porn is, how, is so accessible? It's like, of course women look at it. What kind of porn do you look at? This is, you made it weird where I have yeah, I know, you but, in the But I always seat. answer the question for the guest that's me. I'm curious. I'm bi-curious what kind of porn you look at. Is it dudes fucking girls? Dudes are in it. Of course. Is it girl on girl? I had a girlfriend no. that looked at porn and was girl no, on girl. I don't look at girl on girl. I mean, I had an ex like who likes girl on girl stuff, you know? I think it's guys like that a lot. It's different. I mean, they've done they've done tests and stuff where they hook women up to, you know, their brain <laughs> brain things and then they show them porn and it just affects them completely differently. Whatever. Who did this study? Some fucking dummy. He probably went and got a bunch of repressed <laughs> women somewhere random and then was like, oh, yeah, women don't like porn. Boom. Let's go have beards, guys. <laughs> no, that, was, that wasn't his point at all. It just oh. it, it just affected them very differently. What? Whereas guys are like immediate. Like, like they guy- jerked off in a very different manner. Ooh. So you masturbate to porn? Yes, Pete. What do you fucking think? What do you think? I'm just in there for the storylines. I just think there's exquisite acting. Angel horror thing is one of the most complex and complicated and weird fucking stupid things ever. That is so troubling to me. How badly, and you know this, how badly I want that like. Well, what about if you are the woman? Like, think about if you have those issues, which I think most women do, and you are that person. So you're like, oh, who should I bring to this date? An angel or a whore? Should I be the woman that this guy wants to marry, or should I be the woman that he's going to think is sexy? You know, like, I feel like you actually, if you're smart, you can be aware of all those things when you're going to hang out with someone, too. If you're smart and you're a sexual person, it's like, all right, well, how should I act, you know? I think I think it's easier to be the angel that acts like a whore behind closed doors than it is to be the whore that's, you know, angelly in public. That's a weird statement I just made. I don't know even what you've said, yeah. What I'm saying is you could meet a girl who seems more socially acceptable and then is secretly like a minx. Right, but isn't that there's a term for that that I'm blanking on right now. It's called an angel on the streets, a whore in the sheets. Something like that, yeah, but yeah, not yeah. angel. You're like got some weird Christian version of it. <laughs> it's very troubling. The guys, uh, we I have so many questions. I'm just. I know. You. No. I, wh- all I want to say about this topic is yeah. it sucks to be trapped inside the meat spaceship of a man and be drawn to both. You want. Well, what about same with? I think it's true for women too. I want hot, dumb guys. Of course you do. But then at the same time, I'm like, ugh, I want someone who I actually just think it's a given that they're going to have smart opinions and be yeah. caring and kind. Yeah. I think it's it's not just like men or women have this problem. I think it's like our society where we've gotten smarter and smarter, but at the same time, we're still animals. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you? I want to direct Here's, everyone to Mark Maron's podcast uh, for Patrice's episode. I know. He talks about that in a way that's it's a so bril- fascinating. It's a brilliant episode. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll offer this as a troubling thing. The fucking, sometimes the hottest thing to me about pornography 
uh, is that the girl allowed it to happen? Isn't that, right, yeah. isn't that troubling? Yeah, is because, that troubling? No, but I don't think it is because women are supposed to be like, no, I'm cheese. It's just the fact that I'm supposed to say to you, no, I don't watch porn. Right. Blah, blah, blah. It's See, like, no, that's right. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm full of shit. I'm full of shit. And when I watch pornography, especially where the girl, if it seems like she, it, like it was her idea or something, like, mm-hmm. there's sometimes you just get that sense. Yeah. That's a big turn on to me. I'm right. like, this fucking dirty. I'm sorry. Because women are not allowed to really Agreed. embody their sexuality Agreed. in an open way. And my friend Chico's always saying that to me. She's like, it's so irritating to me that there's this double standard that you can't just go have whatever experience you want to have and just enjoy your life. Completely agree. In a way that guys do all the time and no one's like second guessing it. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Uh, <clears throat> we're, we're never going to figure that one out. So I know. And it sucks. That was from Ben Varkentine. I remember my dad was like, there are girls Nothing. that you go out. Ben Varkentine. <laughs> My funny Varkentine. My Benny Varkentine. My dad said to me once, and this is one of those formative fucking kind of fucked up things. He was like, there's girls that you go out with and there's girls you bring home. And that's just the sort of lessons you learn growing up. Yeah, and I remember for the first time, and I know it's like a very trite thing, but like when I remember not long ago, maybe 10 years ago or something in New York, when someone was saying like, like a hot woman walks by and they're like somewhere some guy's sick of her you know or he's sick of that's fucking so her or something funny. like that and i was just like <gasps> yeah that's 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 an interesting <laughs> thought that's like a 10 15 relationships in sort of thing uh, you can see a girl that's so gorgeous and you're like somewhere someone is thinking about shooting her with a crossbow <laughs> and when you go on a first date you're like someone wants to shoot this woman with a crossbow yeah it's a troubling thing that well that's what i always think is kind of comforting though with really hot women where i'm threatened by them i'm just like they're they're still getting cheated on and oh, have sure. all the same <laughs> horrible problems that anyone does have you heard crazy in the head crazy in bed uh, I know that men like crazy women. I haven't heard that exact rhyming catchphrase. <laughs> it, it, I, I guess you guys, it, we are recording in a t-shirt novelty shop. Ah, I should have mentioned that. Try and keep it rhyming. No, no, no it's, it's just the idea that like more unstable women tend to be more sexual or whatever. I don't right. know if that's true, but I've heard that. Probably. Mm, I don't know why I brought that up. It's all. This is all very depressing. <laughs> I know it is depressing, and I don't know what to do. Well, I don't, I don't either. know what to do. I don't either. You and like your your hope amongst hopes is that you'll meet somebody who has it all. Who has it all? I know. Does that fucking exist? You know I how fucking know. infuriating this whoa. is. It's upsetting. It's upsetting. <laughs> it's upsetting. Whoa. You guys, all the glass broke in the studio. <laughs> mm, I'm sorry, but like it's a big thing. As a single man, you're looking for people, and as you know, you've often pointed this out. You think it's funny. That like fucking uh, curvy tattooed girls like do it for me. Uh-huh. Like you've you, you've pointed that out. You're like, it's weird that you like these like dangerous rock yeah, and roll yeah, yeah. kind of like suicide girls. Right. But then I also like these like clean cut Betty Draper girls. Right. What the fuck am I doing? Who knows? I don't know. We're all animals. I guess you just have to let, give yourself cut yourself a little slack, Pete. No, I do. Yeah, I will cut myself some slack. I do think it's weird that idea that girls, the, the, the idea of the angel being violated, the girl in the pornography, the hottest part of it being that she allowed the porn to be filmed. Right. Not the dick in her ass or whatever, but that Whoa, she... Well, now hmm, we got another keyword popping up. I was just trying to be funny. <laughs> Not whatever's happening sexually on screen. The fact that she consented to do it for money, the, the fact that she was violated and all that sort of stuff, all that puritanical Christian bullshit that I was raised with, that being violated and being like, you that's the sort of shit... I'm, right. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just hoping this helps people maybe feel less alone or whatever, but like that's the sort of shit I'm thinking... 
while I'm watching that. And, and, yeah. it's, and it's weird. Well, I mean, I do think it is interesting. And I've asked this before. I think I said something about it on Twitter where it's like, well, no one's jerking off probably. Or during sex, no one's when they're fantasizing or something. They're not imagining like holding hands, skipping through a field. You know? Yeah. And then some people were writing back to me. A surprising number of people were saying that they do have fantasies like that. Which really? I just can't even imagine. I mean, maybe they're joking. I don't know. It, it transfers and like I don't know. Again, I I don't say this to be like over Sherry. I honestly say this in hopes that it's over Sherry O'Terry. <laughs> I don't say this to be over Sherry O'Terry. I say this in hopes that maybe it's interesting. I remember even when I've been having sex, the thought of like remember okay, so booby girl yeah. would go out in her kind of dress that I, that threatened me, right. and then later I'd be fucking that person, yeah, and I'd think. I'd think about her going out in that dress and yeah. what a whore she was, and that would turn me on well, so much. Isn't that towards kind of cuckolding kind of stuff? Do you like exactly? Big J was t- telling me about cuckolding. Sexuality is just such a fucking mishmash maze of yeah. fucking weirdness, and it's important to talk about. I'm happy to share that. It's fucking weird that the girl who made me so uncomfortable and I'd walk around the street with her, with her cleavage out and I'd be like, you fucking idiot, I hate you. <laughs> then later I would come because I was like, you went out in that whore dress, didn't you? What <laughs> but, the shit but, are we but doing? But would you ever say that? Would you ever articulate that or it was all in your head? Because I, I think if you articulated it, you guys would be enjoying it together. <laughs> You're right. That's what Don Draper and Megan do when, when, when he fucks her. Wait, I might be an M.I. No, I... you've seen that one. Oh. Megan, his new wife. Yeah. Sorry, spoiler, if you haven't seen it. <laughs> Fucking catch up. It's been out for a while. I'm just saying Don Draper does acknowledge the angel whore thing simultaneously. You know what I mean? That's part of what makes him fun. Well, I don't know. Megan, his new wife, he he makes her like flash him in the office. They're they're fucking constantly. They're like rough with each other and stuff. But then also she like raises the kids and is like very. She's prudish. not very prudish in any way. Yeah, you're right. She's more just like his side piece. I don't know. I don't really buy her as like a wife. Like I know he's supposed to be like her perfect match. I don't really find it. I don't I know. I can't wait to see. What I happens. need to see these next two episodes. When anyway. you, yeah, can you pass me a water, please? I can't. <laughs> Remember when last time you did the show, you went, "You want a water, Jake? Don't give me fucking. You handed me multi-surface cleaner. <laughs> what if I drank that like the master and got really it would be fucking the best. rude? Final episode. Oh, thank you. Okay. Um, so someone says, hello, which person that you've interviewed do you think has the most in common with what you believe to be the fundamentals of comedy and life that most directly relate to your own views? Um, I, I, I think I've said um, that the Emily Gordon episode was really a life changer for me. Why? I haven't heard that one. Why was it? <laughs> I haven't heard that I got one. I so mad at her. Because she answered everything so perfectly. I love her so, so deeply and, and truly. She's just one of my favorite people in the world. Well, why were you mad at her? Uh, because, you know, Kumail and Emily, like, I am not romantically interested in Emily at all. She, she's like a, you know, like a family member to me. But I was mad sitting with somebody where I was asking her questions about God. I was asking her questions about comedy. I was asking her questions about relationships. And all of her answers were just, like, perfect and challenging. Not even perfect, like, cutesy, like, eh, and, like, ended funny or whatever. Yeah. Like, tickled me in the idiot part of my jock brain or whatever. It was, they were, like, interesting and thoughtful and challenging. And I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, this person is just every pitch over the plate and should knock it out of the park. 
in, in this wonderful way that I, I, I said to her many times, I was like, go fuck yourself. I was mad at her for existing because I was like, I want, I want somebody like that. Right, I want right. somebody who... And she's got those big tits, too. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, Emily's a good-looking woman as well. It's yeah, like she's, she's, she's a full package. She's a, yeah, she absolutely is. And, and Emily and Kumail know that, that I'm always saying, like, I need to find my Emily. They're aware yeah. of that. Yeah, that's nice, though. I mean, that's a compliment. Thing. How can anyone... You know. Yeah, I I am rooting for them all day every day. As I said on that episode, I, I was like, we, I, it's like the kind of person that like if Kumail or Emily needed help, there's nothing I, I kind of wouldn't do for them. So Emily, really, what was the question again? It's like who did who encapsulated my yeah, feelings? Yeah, your the fundamentals best? of comedy and life. That sounds like Emily, huh? Emily did a really great job. I like the I like I have a fondness for the female episodes. There's a psychology of men. Specifically, Shane Moss and I were talking about this. He, he was a great episode. Was talking about how men will try harder in front of women. That's why I love that we have Katie. Not, not just that Katie's great, but I, it, it's weird. Stupid man brain. I like that Katie's a woman because I try harder because there's a woman in the room. If Katie were a dude named like Chrissy, <laughs> I, I, there would be something in my brain that wouldn't try as hard. Why would she be a dude named Chrissy? I don't know. I tried to think of the male equivalent of the name Katie. No guys are named Chrissy. Chris. <laughs> um, so yeah, Emily, Emily definitely, um, Kumail definitely. I don't know. I people give me a lot of uh, shit for liking every episode, but I really do really like almost every every episode a lot. So I don't know if that answers All the right, question. All right, then there was the couch question that was from Emmy Savakul. It's called. It's from Crate and Barrel. It's called the Verano. I'd measure your doors before you order it, though. Okay. Because it's hard to get in there. <laughs> it is hard to get in there. Um, now, there was a couple from up-and-coming comedians, okay, that were asking for advice for new and beginning comedians. And someone's like, you know, based on your personal experience and that of your Chicago cadre. I don't know how you pronounce that. Come How's on, that man. C-A-D-R-E-A. Cadre, cadre, and then on relocating and starting again, and for Chicago weirdos in particular, where are the best slash worst places to st- seek stage time? The, what's the first part of the question? There really isn't. It's just what advice can you give me? <laughs> what advice can you give to new comedians? And then they're saying basically, "Hey, I'm also from Chicago." Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think the reason Chicago is great is the reason why Portland is great and why San Francisco is great and why Boston is great. Any any town where... Seafood. <laughs> well, you would agree, and you should chime in on this as well. I won't. <laughs> any town where there isn't, like, industry watching you is a good town to start in. Any town where there are a lot of, com- uh, a lot of comedians and a lot right. of places where you can go up... Stay there. And this is the, this is the biggest piece of advice that I, I give people when I'm on the road and I'm touring with some guy and he's what opening for me. You didn't mention New York. New York's great, but there is industry there. Not really, though. That's where Anne and Joanne are. That's where you're going to get your presents. But That's they're where not you're at every your... show. You know, scouting. Like, there's a feeling in L.A. of, like, everywhere someone, you know. That's true. And, and that is true. If you see someone in a suit, when last time I went to New York, I saw a lot of people in suits probably worked on Wall Street. Yeah. But I said to Melania, I was like, there's, there's a lot of industry out tonight. I was yeah. like, no, they're just people in suits. But if yeah. you see people in suits in L.A., yeah. they, they're agents, right. they're managers and all that sort of stuff. But in New York, I mean, that's that's where I feel like you go when you want to like ca- – I, I look at it like you accumulate chips 
in these towns where there aren't industry and you just earn the respect of your peers. Then you go to New York to really cash in some of those chips and, and, and try and refine. And then you really go to L.A. when you really want to cash them all in and see what you can get out of it. He, this is from the same guy, Bobby McDonald. I know is Bobby. His name. He says, how famous slash recognizable do you feel you've become? I'll take that. <laughs> I feel you feel you've become as famous as Tom Cruise. Oh, my God. <laughs> You are the worst. <laughs> you don't think that's true at all. This is actually for both of us. You and you and me both, Chelsea, is, is like a wonderful place. We're not famous at all. You know what I mean? Right. There's no anxiety going to the supermarket, going to the movies. Getting recognized is so, so rare. Moshe and I went and got frozen yogurt and he got recognized. And that's like so, so rare that it's like kind of fun and, and kind of cute. You're like, ha, ah, somebody knew who you were. But they don't know who the other person is. And that's a great place to be. Like... You know, you start like I go to the airport with TJ, and TJ's been in enough movies and stuff. People start knowing who he is. It starts to get annoying, but mm-hmm. we're in that sweet spot, and maybe we won't ever get to another place. But we're in a place where like people who know us know us, but they're very, very few. When you look at like the right, spectrum right. of people, so it's kind of a nice place to be. You have you have the respect of your fans, but for the most part, nobody really gives you any hard time. You get that vague thing, like I went to I went to lunch with my parents in Boston recently, and people might recognize you, but they have no idea what your name is or right, where right. it's from. And they'll be like, "I know you. You're in what? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, Ugh. didn't we go to high school together? Yeah, we did. Yeah. And sometimes you did. That's yeah. the worst when they think they're like, "Don't I know you?" And you're like, "Well, I've been on Comedy Central or blah blah blah." And they're like, "No, you went to LHS." And it's like, "Right, sorry, you just know me from life." Yeah, that's very humble. Um, So (laughs) here's another one. Dear Chelsea, I was going to start this email. What did you write? Psychotic behavior? (laughs) You wrote psychotic behavior on your notes? What did I say that was psychotic? You're the worst. I just did that because I knew you kept checking my notes. Well, you're drawing like the the sketchings of an insane person. This is, like, this is like this is like Natasha's bit about like I don't want a color petrol, colored pencil sketch of the madness in your mind. Oh, I don't know. That's what you're doing right now. Um, there's those children again. That's Mia. <sighs> All right, so dear Chelsea, I was going to start this email off with a joke, but I felt your judgment and panicked, so I'll, <laughs> so, I'll, so I'll stick to questions for Pete. How did you become friends with someone as charismatic and hilarious as Chelsea Moretti? I thought it was going to be as me. Has anyone, comedian or otherwise, ever been jokingly teasing you and gone too far? Warmest regards, Sizzy. Has anyone been teasing you, Chelsea? No, 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 it's to you. Teasing me and gone too far? I would assume so. Well, I mean, we talked about that a little bit earlier, which is like when strangers do it on, on Twitter, it's, it's surprising how quickly I'll be offended. Yeah. So the last person I blocked on Twitter, they said like, uh, it was during that Marin feud, and they were like, no, Pete just stole your show and put his own uninteresting twist on it. Right. Blocked immediately. Right. If you said that to me, I would get it. I would be like, oh, she's joking. She knows me. She always gives me shit, and that's fine. But if it's like a stranger, I'm just but like, see, I don't are know you? that I would do that. Like, I didn't, I, for some reason, that didn't occur to me. I mean, in a way, like, I guess there's just interviews have been around forever. It's like, you know, yes, there's the podcast form, but everyone started doing podcasts. So it just never would have occurred to me. But also, I feel like that gets into an area that feels a little too, like, real or something. I wouldn't joke. If I really thought you were stealing Mark Barron's format, yeah, I wouldn't, I don't know. I don't but that's think- the thing is, I've never been shy that I am and that I did. 
completely oh, like open. You just saw his show and were like, I want to do that. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I talked about that on his podcast. Oh, I told him that I straight. He said that what when he did his podcast, it was the most rewarding thing he'd ever done in his life, better than stand up. And I was like, okay, I'll do it too, a hundred percent. Because wow. people are always like, they listen to this show or they listen to Mirror and they're like, I want to talk to the person it's too. It's so funny because his, you guys are like the dark side and the light side. It's like, how would you rather hear an interview? Would you rather hear it from a guffawing buffoon? <laughs> <laughs> or me? <laughs> <laughs> or a dark-sided creature. I love Marin's podcast so, so much. Somebody, somebody just tweeted this me uh, today, actually, and I really loved it. They were like, I think the main difference between WTF and this show is that Marin refers to himself as Marin, and I refer to myself as old Petey Pants. <laughs> like, that, that's it. That's exactly the he difference in tones. He refers to himself as Marin? I think so. Mm. His show's called Marin. <sighs> well, let's see. Um, You're not masking your weariness for these questions. Well, it's actually getting really hot in here, and there are so many questions. So I'm just trying to really... Oh, someone says, why aren't you on Tumblr, Pete? I, I don't know. Why aren't I on Tumblr? Should I be on Tumblr? What's the one thing you've never said about Chelsea Peretti until now? Right now, say something new about Chelsea? <laughs> I need a more specific question. Yeah, I, I expected questions about us, but I didn't. I didn't think it would just be One, that. They, this same person asked like five hundred questions. Do you continue J popping? Is J- that your term for masturbating? J popping. It says J popping. If one of your friends accidentally pops in there, cough, Chelsea, cough, or is that not a problem? J popping, of course, meaning masturbate. Oh. Um, you've never uh, shown up. <laughs> <laughs> How is that funny? <laughs> I find that funny. Um, yeah, no. If if you did, if someone showed up, <laughs> it seems like a comedy condo type scenario or something like that. What do you mean? Like oh, they're saying, like someone walks in on you. No, I think they mean mentally. You pop in. Oh. Yeah, if you popped in mentally, I wouldn't be challenged by that. I would continue going, but that's not that's not a regular. Uh, that's pops not. in. I don't. You have some control over your fantasy. I yeah, know. yeah. No, I do. I, I I have a pretty good imagination. I often just bring the people I've been with together. That's what I like. to Really? Do. Yeah. Let's get them all together. Ew! A I little... would hate that if I was your ex girlfriend. <laughs> I would be so pissed. <laughs> Ew, that is so, I like, that makes me feel so, ugh. Really? Yeah, just imagining, like, someone you used to date, that they're imagining you with the new person they're dating, and some uh, person I guess that's they, gross, huh? There's something about it where I just feel like, ew, don't make me do that. Well, it's not all of them together. And sometimes Writhing, and <laughs> it's like Game of Thrones, like the prostitutes, the brothel, oh, they're no. just all writhing and stuff. All right. I haven't watched Game of Thrones, but. Uh, well, anyway, you can don't Can I be to. Peter Dinklage? Yeah. That's who hangs out with the horse. I'm very behind on that, too, though, so I should stop while I'm ahead. Mm. Okay, fill in the blanks. (laughs) This is the same person still. Bring all the X's together. That is so creepy. I agree. I mean, that's something that none of them would be signing on for. Speaking of women who are signing on for it, and that's what's hot about it. These ones. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So, okay, fill in the blanks. People are... People are what? Rapid fire. People are... Good. Ugh. Weirdos are awesome. <laughs> God, dragons are not real. That's good. <laughs> Chelsea is mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pete. I'm not. Sh- I'm sure I'm not alone. Oh, this is a long one. I'm mm. sure I'm not. 
I'm not alone when I say there have been specific parts of the podcast and conversations you've had that have impacted and probably changed parts of my life. Scoville's view on religion when he talks about the ant iPhone anecdote. Yes. Gerard Carmichael talking about his comedy and putting Keep Going on his set list. That's a great comedy episode. Um, Etc. What are some specific moments from the past 99 shows that you remember hitting you in the chest as just being a huge impact on you? And how you think about life? Mm, good question. That makes me feel fill with panic. My brain just kind of like mm. solidifies because I can't I can't access yeah, all of them. I have trouble answering like best moment kind of questions yeah. or favorite, or even favorite color. I've never been good at. I remember Dimitri Martin said the thing about the two dimensional world where a, a, a red circle would show up every once in a while, uh-huh. and people were like, "What's that red circle?" And it turned out it was a ball bouncing. On their reality, it was so. It's as if you and I were on a two-dimensional piece of paper, and every once in a while, a red circle would show up, and we're like, "What's that circle?" And it was a ball in the third dimension bouncing on us, and that was like his explanation of like how we don't know anything uh, and how there could be called kind of- uh, Plato drawings on the wall or whatever <laughs> shadows on the wall. Yeah, is that Plato? <laughs> I mean, it's very sounds like it. Yeah, there's been a lot. Of, I've had my mind blown time and time again. Like I without remembering necessarily specific That's examples. That's a good name for a next album. Time and time again? No, I've had my mind blown. Time I have. And time. People You're come just up constantly <laughs> getting your mind blown out here. I really do. I think it's a testament to how little I know, but like right. people come up to me and they're like this show has changed my life and it's made me better and all that sort of stuff and I'm like me fucking too. I need help more than anybody I know. So anybody that's like, it's helped me, I'm like, it's probably helped me even more. So I know that's not a specific answer yeah, to the it's question. Yeah, definitely not. Hmm. Mm. I'd have to say Chelsea Peretti number two, where she said she'd put dirt in my mouth <laughs> and pat it down with a shovel. This one, someone said, what is your favorite joke to do or bit? The one that gives you the most joy to tell. Why do you think you like it so much? I really like telling the magic joke. There's a part in the magic joke where I, where I go, where I'm talking about... Uh, a guy flying and somebody goes it's magnets he goes it's magnets he can't fly it's yeah. magnets see even doing it right now like I want to do it not mm-hmm. every joke is that way but like like I talk about how that doesn't explain anything if a man can fly how does magnets explain that what he has magnets in his pockets and the stage is a magnet it doesn't make any sense <laughs> <laughs> I think those are just this is my favorite line I think those are just two things he doesn't understand like I don't get magnets and I don't get this yeah this is magnets. Every time, right. I, every time in that pocket between, I don't get mag, uh, I don't get magnets, and I don't get this. That little pause right there before I say this is magnets is, I think, one of my favorite things in the world because you know you have a good line. Mulaney explained it to me like this: It's like the whole crowd is leaning forward, mm-hmm. like one collective face, and then you have your fist cocked, and you just get to pop them right in the chin, and they love it. It's such yeah. a fun feeling. I also like doing Pierce. People give me, I think people give me shit because I laugh every time I do Pierce, but like, uh, I really do enjoy it. I laugh a lot in my act, I've realized. And I used to think that was so hacky when comedians yeah. did that, but like, I do it for various reasons. Sometimes I'm really actually nervous, yeah. or sometimes it does sort of seem funny to me in the moment. It's, it's weird, but I, I never wanted to be that, but I <laughs> like, that's how I am on stage now, and I, I've noticed it, and it's strange no i'm with you it, it's it's uh I, I i've often said that bono says he can't hit the notes in a song unless he's feeling it mm-hmm. and i can't make it funny unless i'm remembering why it's funny yeah so like if i'm not laughing it's probably not funny 
Like a lot of my material, if you put it on on paper, isn't necessarily funny. It's the enjoyment that I'm getting out That's of doing sure. it. You, <laughs> do you hear in the midnight air the whisk of a pitchfork coming your way? <laughs> the whisk of a pitchfork. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of crooked too. It's like it's not flying at you evenly. It's moving. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's too late to move <laughs> into the dirt behind you. It's piercing the dirt as well. But it doesn't end there. Oh, no. no There's no. still flame and water to Yeah, come. yeah, yeah. A lot of my new... <laughs> Salon Dijon. A lot of my new stuff I really like. You do love Salon Dijon. I do love telling that joke. I love telling well, that it's, joke. Well, he said pick one. So it's time to move on. Most of my material I like doing. I'll answer it this way. There's there's a couple jokes. You're about to do your whole hour. Nope. There's a couple <laughs> jokes that the jokes that I don't like doing are the ones that I have to yell to be funny. You're dead. I fucking hate so you, you so hate, much. You hate doing your whole act? You fucking Wait, suck. Wait, you said you do not like the ones where you have to yell to make it funny? There's a... Why do I keep walking into this room that is laden with booby traps? There's a couple jokes that I have. You should be forced, actually, to do one set where you can't raise your voice at all. That's what Sunday night is. I if don't you, believe you. If you want to see I me just say my jokes. I actually want you to play me a recording of your Sunday I night have show. Sunday I, night guar- I guarantee you're not like, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I, I'm telling you it's a notch above Todd Berry. Uh, I don't believe you. I'm telling you I don't it's believe true. you. Call in, guys. Oh, sorry. We don't have that capability this because we did zone. not do the crossover call. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. I got you. I got you good. I got you good. <laughs> that is so stupid. And an audience of like two people even yeah, well, get what is being I discussed. Know. I know. All right. <clears throat> but it's the like when I see an open micer yelling a lot, I'm like, this kid doesn't know show business. Because when you start doing weekends, you can't do it. That's what I've learned. You'll lose your voice. You you can do it Thursday, Friday, not because late show. it's not it's not uh, something that he's truly emotionally connected to, and not because he's manipulating the audience, but just because he can't sustain it for five, <laughs> five That's shows. A, that is a fair question. There's a lot of tricks that that are employed by a lot of different, you, and that's why I hate most comedy. I do sure. feel like I'm just watching a bunch of manipulation and trickery yes. half the time, and I'm like, well, Ugh. Kumail and I talked about alt hack. And and people were really interested in the idea of alt hack, and I was like, I do all of those things, and you know, I dabble in each of them. I, I just I did a joke about how uh, when I go out and I think I meet, I might meet a girl at a party, I'll make my bed before I leave the house, uh-huh. and then I added this line. I was just watching my special, a cut of my special, and I kind of I just riffed it, and I was like uh, talking about how I spray was my it bed. Something about the iTelephone five. 5.0. You're dead. <laughs> I spray my bed with Febreze, right? Because there's no time for a wash. It is gross. Uh-huh. And then I say, if you're not laughing, you're not picturing a, a single man alone in his bedroom spraying down squirts of floral-scented desperation, right? Mm-hmm. That's a fine line. That's all right. It's okay. But it's all tack. Kumail and I decided that if you say, like, my house smells like uh, cinnamon and loneliness, mm-hmm. that's been, it's been done. Right, we're we're right. done with that. Right. But I still do it. I still say ninjas. I still say unicorns. Oh, all the uh, things that are alt hack. Yeah, I do them. I do them too. Because comedy is really hard. It's too, it's it's hard. If you can go ninety percent of your act without like just doing trickery and and shenanigans, then you're doing pretty good. You can't be too hard on yourself. 
I'm going to jump off a bridge. This same person said, your Hannibal impression is awesome. Thank you. Not a question, just something you should know. Can you do it? I haven't heard it. Okay. I'm a little sick. I don't all know right, if you can tell. Right, right. so and you always make me so nervous. <laughs> People say, Hannibal, you can't do a Hannibal impression. I'll say, yes, I can, Hannibal. I'll do a Hannibal impression all day. It's so excellent. You got to put your hands up in the air, Hannibal. That's like actually that. really good. Thank you very much. It's funny. It, it's funnier if I can find something if that you were, were talking about. If you were on my show right now, I'd play an applause. Oh, thank you. People say you can't get raw fish, Hannibal. You go out and get sushi. Yes, I can, Hannibal. I dip it in soy sauce to eat it with crab. I love that shit. It's That's right. actually very thank good. Thank you very much. I flick right. it on my sandwiches for flavor. That was all from Ryan Fawcett. It's all about throwing your head back. I'm really happy that you like it. No, that was good. Impressions are so you, It's vulnerable. one of your least racist impressions of a black person. Here's every other black person. <laughs> hey, man! <laughs> <laughs> You've given me shit that every black person I do is just like Ross Perot, Dave Chappelle. Someone asked, what are your favorite and least favorite jokes by Chelsea? I love a lot of your... I love so many of your jokes. What about least favorite? <laughs> <laughs> How about least favorite? What is your joke where you, What is the setup for the, <laughs> the surfer laugh? Oh, I barely do that. <laughs> Will you do it, please? Just the laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done that joke <laughs> Can you let me do it? Yeah, I'll let you do your you. goddamn impression. <laughs> your loud, bellowing voice. I just want to join in. <laughs> well, give me a second okay, to find my zone. Do it. <laughs> but it's the parents telling the kid to like go to bed or yeah. something. It's like There's how a to surfer surf family, a whole surfer family, and you know, yeah, whatever. But yeah, so that's like how the little surfer kid laughed, and then the mom laughs the exact same way. Um, all right, so and that's rape, favorite. Rape, what about rape, least favorite? Rape base. Rape base. You hate or like? I love rape base. Okay. Don't fucking do it. <laughs> Please reconsider. I don't have it. I don't. I, there's none of your material that I don't like. I really like that. Something that I've learned from you is that you can have bits that address shit, like get into it. You know what I mean? Like topics, and then you can do things that are just stupid. Mm-hmm. And I mean that as a compliment. Well, I've made that a conscientious effort to try to just have more silly things in my act. You got to. I was like, I'm sorry to take it back to me, but like when I was doing my hour, I was like, there's all this stuff in there. I was really, I'm, I, I remain concerned that people are going to think it's too dark, which you think is ridiculous because you've seen me do right. the, You've seen you me got do off hour. stage. You were talking about Febreze and puppies. You're like, oh, do you think it's too dark? Yeah. I was like, Pete. But there's also parts <laughs> about how uh, I want to fuck Ryan Gosling. Who or, cares? That's like light and silly. I, I agree. I'm I'm first in line to the light and silly line. That's you know like I mean? only dark if you're extremely fundamental religious person. Which is exactly who I grew up with. So I right. feel that you know when I did my hour, there were two people. You think you're blaspheming? Yeah. yeah. I mean, by their standards, I am. Yeah. Whereas There's a whole me, thing. It's a walk in the goddamn park. There's a thing I do about tone deaf Jesus. I just sing. I, I just I think it's very funny to consider that Jesus can do everything, but he just couldn't sing. Uh-huh. I think it's so funny. But I mean, I grew up with hundreds and hundreds of people that would think that is very inappropriate, of course, yeah, and deserving but of hellfire. That's such a specialized community. I mean, I guess maybe it's not. I don't know what the numbers are. I, I mean, don't know either. It's like, yeah, it's hard. It's we it's get hard. so They're- isolated in in these urban centers that I don't know what people. I'll tell you this: when I did my hour, there were two people in the front row. One of the, one of them uh, who I went to church with when I grew up, and another that I went to college with, my weird Christian college. And they were in the third row of my special, and I did tone deaf Jesus, 
And I looked at them. <laughs> and no, they were losing it. They yeah. were so on But it's board. just so funny that you're looking at them. Well, of course, like, who to, who better to laugh at a joke about Jesus? Like, a lot of people are like, yeah, That's, who cares? Most people don't care. Yeah. It's better. <laughs> They're I, like, oh, he's sticking yeah, it to the guy yeah, we think about all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I, when I go to Utah, which not often, but, you know, a couple times a year I'll go to Utah, those people really like me because they have trepidation about the thing. Like, when I bring it up, it's risque to them. Right. To you, you don't give a shit. Right. But to me, I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Yeah. That's what, you know, I, I'm still, I, I have nightmares that people are like, Pete's new hour, what happened? So dark. Yeah. But hopefully that won't happen. A lot of questions about you jerking off. Uh, someone's like, again, have you ever jerked Jay off to a picture or the thought of having sex with what you would call a close and personal friend? Example, Chelsea, Jamie Lee, Kamel. That was so he could squeeze in his Camille impression. Oh, my God, Peter, please come on my sideburns. (laughs) (laughs) Come on my muscles and my sideburns. (laughs) Come on my headshot. Come on my headshot. Come on my sincere Twitter avatar. It's so sincere. It's, it's very GQ. Why is it so sincere? I tried to get a campaign to Ask get people his to voice. change it. Ask in his voice. Why is it so sincere? Oh my god. It's like a it's like a headshot. It's like a glamour shot. It's fucking Twitter. Uh Yeah, absolutely, of course. You have Wait, they said me. You have I've never jerked off to completion with you. you to might, completion? You might, you might, you might come into the scenario briefly. You know what's oh, funny I'm, about? I'm just tickling your balls. And then, I, <laughs> then I disappear in a cloud of smoke. Yeah, Chelsea. <laughs> here's how I know that you aren't like in the sexual file for me. Like, here, here's two things that are true. One is you're you're an attractive. I think you're a, a good-looking woman. Okay. That's part A. Part B is you and I have watched movies on my couch in sweatpants. And I've never been like... You never popped a B? Yeah, I've never popped a B or been like, you know what's great about sweatpants? Real easy to take off. I've never... like. It's just yeah. like... It's a, it's a respect that thing. That would be the worst line I'd ever heard. <laughs> hey, you know what's really... In the middle of Mad Men? You know the deal with sweatpants, right? They are really easy to take off. And also like the least sexy clothes to take off. Like oh. watching someone slowly slide their... Flooding you can hear high, it. high water sweat. <laughs> no, I'd be wearing my nice ones <laughs> that we got together. Those, those are real nice. I mean, like, I, I think that's, yeah. I mean, most people, ugh. ugh. What about Katie? No. <laughs> I mean, the same thing. Katie might, Katie might come in the room for a minute. <laughs> She's just closing the curtains and then she quietly walks out. <laughs> then all your ex-girlfriends march in. <laughs> That's not every time. I've, I've talked about this. I am monogamous with pornography. Like, I have weird relationships with people in pornography. What the that hell does that mean? Like, you have a, a weird obsession with a specific porn star? Yeah, a couple. There's, there's a little group that I go back to. A group? That's mono- monogamy. That's the exact opposite of monogamy. But there, there are some of them that I've been <laughs> enjoying uh, <laughs> since I was like, I don't know, nineteen, twenty. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. So they're aging as you age. They're they're the do same they, age. Do, as is me. it a sad day where you shed a tear when they move into the milf category? 
Uh, you know, it's funny. I do get defensive. Sometimes I'll find a picture of them on like a chubby page. I'm like, she's not chubby. You're doing she's great. She's BBW. Ah! <laughs> it's super weird to talk. Some of them have kids now. It's super weird. That is weird. But do you follow I, them on Twitter? No. I, I, I wish I were. I wish I could be the kind of person that would be bold enough to be like, you know, like Big J. Yeah. Big J's like, I love this. I love Jenna Jameson. Who cares? I write her emails. Like he doesn't care. Right. It's it's creepier to be me. Are you having indigestion? A little bit. <laughs> I had Thai food for dinner. Ugh. Should have waited for old Chelky Pirelli. <clears throat> I wish. Well, we were supposed to go to. I Chibo. said eat after. I know. I think it's creepier. I think it's scarier. The creepier guy between me and someone like Jay. Jay is like open. He's like, I like this porn star, and I like girls. I like. I remember hearing Jay saying like, I like big dicks and hairy bushes and girls showering and all this shit and, I, and just like being open about it that is less scary than a guy like me growing up religious and having like secret repressed fantasies and stuff like that I, I, I think you should be on the lookout more afraid of a guy like me than like a, a genuine oh, scumbag abs- absolutely you're both to be avoided <laughs> let's see um, but I'm working on it listen to can this. I say this I bought a playboy I think I talked about this on the show I bought a playboy that I had that I shoplifted I talked about this on the show that I bought uh, that I stole because I was like 15 years old. I stole it and then I bought that Playboy on eBay mm-hmm. and now I leave it on my desk in my house. Mm. In, in, in honestly... To in shame att- yourself. No, no I'm just kidding. In an attempt to go the opposite I and know, be like, that's, that's why this is pornography that I enjoyed I when know, I was a kid. Honestly, what a weirdo. <laughs> Chelsea, I'm, I'm, I'm right there this with you. This is pornography, yeah. my, my house guest. <laughs> yeah. But the second... That I enjoyed as a child, yeah. and I am now owning it. They're like, you know what? We're going to grab a hotel. Let's yeah. <laughs> it's right next to the Shaman Dream Tea. But the, like, you open the windows in that weird room and you let some air in there. No, I agree. I Suddenly agree. it's just two-dimensional images that gave me an erection and I masturbated. Yeah, Who yeah. fucking cares? No. Beat it. it when you weird. put all this meaning There's, in there it. There is a lot of shame, I would say. Even though I grew up without religion, I do feel like I had a lot of shame about sexuality and various experiences in life. Sort of, I had a similar kind of trajectory where I was like, you know what? Why am I going to walk around with shame around yeah. my sexuality? It's stupid. You, I think you have to deliberately make an effort to go against it. Yeah. That, that's what I know the, the Playboy is a stupid thing, but it's all I got. Right. Yeah, my, my therapist is big into like, you need to. Well, you also have your huge dick, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> that is I didn't say huge. It's, you really did imply. I said, I think, didn't I say, it's, it's all right. Yeah. I, I feel good about it. I f- I'm, There's that fire in your eyes <laughs> again. <laughs> You've seen the outline of my dick. Oh, yeah, but. But that was flaccid. Yeah. I'll tell you this. I am grateful that, like, of all the things that I could, like, you know, I'm not crazy about my body, but I'm glad that there isn't some, like, secret reveal that it's like, also, this sucks. (laughs) You know what I mean? All right. I'm ready for the next question. (laughs) This one, I want to answer this for a second. How is it that you (laughs) – you? this is getting so ridiculous, but okay. We're going to move on to other areas in a second. I felt so vulnerable when you didn't laugh at also, this sucks. Also, what sucks? It's the idea that like I take my shirt off, it's not that great. Take my pants off, and it's it, at least it's not like another thing that you're like, eh. Right. I was just talking, vaginas can go either way too. Yeah, I mean. I was just telling a friend of mine something that I, I always like to do is, uh, if you think a girl's vagina is beautiful, tell her. Because she probably feels pretty weird about it. It's a weird thing to have. 
Yeah, I mean, and so's a dick. If somebody tells me I have a beautiful dick, that's a great thing. I'm like, thank you so much. You know what's I think is like men have more stuff that, like, women have more hot stuff that you can see when they're walking around. But like, I don't know. Like, guys' dicks are maybe across the board more attractive than women's vaginas. Interesting. Maybe that just means I'm heterosexual. I don't know. No, that's interesting to me. Vaginas are weird. They're weird. That was a weird thing that I had to be like, you can be attracted to them and also acknowledge that sometimes they're kind of strange. They can be strange. That's like a weird moment in a boy's But I think, I don't know, like genitals across the board are really weird. I had a Dicks tweet where I too. was like, why, if, if God wanted us to procreate, why didn't he make genitals smell like cinnamon rolls? Yeah. And it's, it's really like, funny. it is just weird. They're, they have a musk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have a different, a weird skin. They yeah. look weird. Like, yeah. it is just an animal weird thing. That, moisture. Like, they're self-generating moisture. Yeah, like, they're just, it is kind of all disgusting. But the thing with women like speaking of Playboy, is you can photograph them in a way that you're not really seeing the vagina. Like you just right. see, like it's possible to see a naked woman and not see the goods. Right. Like with a guy, the goods are just, it's a balcony of goods. I guess, but you could do that with guys too. What, tuck it in? No, but they could have a leg, you know. Yeah, I suppose. All right. Okay. Dicks are weird. Vaginas are weird too. Armpits are really weird. I have a bit about how vaginas get a hard time for smelling bad. Yeah. But I was like, my dick smells like a vagina all the time. I feel like any what? dark, not exactly like a vagina. <laughs> I'm just saying dicks have, any dark crease has a smell. My dick smells like a vagina Sometimes. all the time. Did you retire that bit? I've never heard that. I don't really like to do it. Again, I, I'm <laughs> yeah. very concerned with being too dirty on stage. But I'm saying like, I've, I don't, I don't give a shit. I have... Experienced my own area and been like that reminds me of a girl's area, like just because that's what dark crotches smell like. Yeah, and girls get all the shit. And then in the bed, I say, I feel like a fat kid's armpit after a volleyball game smells exactly like a pussy. Huh? Gross. Yeah, but I'm trying to. I'm in defense of the vagina. I'm. I'm. I, you know, the evolved man. I think realizes you need to get into in, into contact with the idea. And I'm so happy to have gotten to this place where that smell or whatever, that's the business. Like, that's a good thing. It's like a wonderful <laughs> thing to get. It's your- so weird because, like, I think women are hot, but vaginas are gross. Do you know what I mean? Like, I get what you're saying, and yeah. I know that men have to get into that headspace, but it's just like... I but don't girls have to get into that headspace too, where they're just like I feel like there's a little bit of a persuasion to be like, no, dicks are great. Dicks are weird. They I mean, they grow and shrink and they swivel and they lean and there's <laughs> balls. This is like a bad children's story. The balls that like is prohibited immediately. Descend <laughs> and ascend. And they, <laughs> they descend and they lift. I turn the page. It's a pop up book. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like we should cut this whole section. We, no way. We're just talking about dicks and pussies. People love it. All right. I don't. I mean, like, I'm interested. <sighs> How is it? <laughs> you are so. This is why I like you. Growing up with alcoholic parents. Right? Yeah. What? Uh, me. Uh huh. Well, you thought I was talking about you. <laughs> yeah. That was very telling. I wasn't even outing you. I was talking about me, and you're like, "Hey." And I'm not saying my parents were like traditional alcoholics. I'm just saying. Whatever. 
I am drawn to people that I know how they feel. And that's one of the reasons I love you is that I always know how you feel. You're sighing while you're reading these questions. I can tell you're getting warm, <laughs> probably a little hungry. <laughs> like you want to wrap it up. Wondering what year it is. Yeah. You're done with this interview. <laughs> um, okay. So someone said... Huh? We're at 90. Okay. Oh, God. So we should zip through. But this no, is... we usually go too. Okay. So... How is it that you and Chelsea have such palpable chemistry and yet, to the public's knowledge, don't seem to have the desire to date one another? This is some real rom-com shit. If you ask me, please address this and make it weird. We've kind of addressed this, but I will say that on my end, anytime I interact with any of my friends who are male comedians on Twitter, everyone's like, get a room already. You're like, yeah. when are you, how long have you guys been fucking? And it's like... It gets irritating to me where I'm like, I don't think that these guys, when they're joking back and forth with each other on Twitter, have to deal with people constantly assuming they should be together just because they're, right. you know, funny and have similar sense of humor and want right. to joke around with each other. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's a privileged life. When I was a kid, I remember watching shows like 90210 or whatever, mm-hmm. where like uh, Brendan Walsh had like girlfriends that he'd go over and like hang out at Kelly's house and he like wasn't trying to fuck her. And I was like, what is this weird other reality? Because every girl I knew I was in love with. Mm-hmm. And now I'm happy to say that I'm in a place where I have female friends. I, I We don't like... We're not affectionate, but I have girlfriends that I like can kiss or hug or whatever, and it's not a big deal at all. And I'm happy to evolve to getting to that place. Mm-hmm. Like when you when you live maybe in like a, a small town or 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 you just like you met you don't know that many girls. Maybe it is always kind of in the back of your mind that it might be romantic. But you know, I know a lot of a lot of girls, and I've always. I just think it would be lonely in comedy if I could have no male friends <laughs> and not. Yeah. And like, I think that I do at this point. You know, ten years into these friendships, truly believe that we're not going to be fucking, and that that's not everyone's priority. You yeah. know, like that there's actual camaraderie and shared, it would root- shared as, experience. And- it's crossed my mind that if we did have sex that it would ruin everything yeah like i i was telling a friend of mine today he was like i was talking about meeting uh meeting an ex-girlfriend somebody wanted to meet up and i was like he was like don't fuck her and i was like i have never been the kind of person that's like i just couldn't help myself i had to fuck her (laughs) it's never happened it's never happened and in that vein i'm aware that if we were to do something like that not not that that comes up uh, that it would ruin the friendship. I, I have a rational brain enough to be like, the friendship is more valuable than some sort of momentary enjoyment of your sweatpants. <laughs> God. Oh, Jesus. God. Oh, God in heaven. I'm like, literally have nothing to say. Okay, so... <laughs> were you a part of church choir growing up because you look like it? Love you, Pete. I was in gospel choir in college. You were? Yeah. In college? In college. Do you remember any of the songs? Yeah. Can you sing anything? Um, I said I wasn't going to tell nobody, but I couldn't keep it to myself. No, I couldn't keep it to myself. No, I couldn't keep it to myself. I said I wasn't going to tell nobody, but I couldn't keep (laughs) it to myself what what the Lord has done for me. Uh, Do they tell you to sing like a retarded person? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I started singing. I started shouting. I started singing. I started shouting what the Lord has done for me. Wow. 
Thank you. And That's we were crazy. the whitest of the white. And you're doing all that <laughs> affectation. And I remember I was in gospel choir and we used to sing songs like that. And that night, my, one of my best friends, who was a girl, uh, all my friends were girls in college, and they were all getting drunk that night. And I was singing in gospel choir. And as I was getting the affirmation from the crowd, people cheering and stuff, and me misinterpreting that as a stirring of the Holy Spirit, being like, <laughs> isn't that weird? You're like, I love attention. I love attention. And I turned that. I took the attention I I'm was doing getting. doing God's work. That's one of the reasons I hate church is I watch uh, praise leaders Really kill it. Yeah. Really nail it. Fucking the yeah. drums come in perfectly yeah. and they end it nice and blur, the bass <laughs> swells and they're like, yeah. And then they, they, they think they're taking it like a pipe uh, going and serving it up to God. But I'm like, fuck you, man. You're a showman and you enjoy performing. Just yeah. own it. Just be like, I fucking killed uh, Refiner's Fire today, right. and don't act like that. That wasn't for Jesus. That was I for you Refiner's and fire. your stupid men's warehouse suit. Fuck yourself. Own it. Be honest. That's and funny. sometimes when pastors kill it, when they kill it, when they were looking good and feeling good and giving a sermon that was like stirring, and they feel the crowd locked onto them like a stand-up, the glory is for them. Like some of that glory is for them. And in the Christian community, you're not allowed to be like. I was fucking great. You're like, yeah, God all for was God's with me. glory. God was with me. I felt the spirit. Fuck you, man. You're a great public speaker. You told a goddamn great fucking story and you killed that little anecdote you told in the middle. Nailed it. Great timing. And you have to be like, it's all for Jesus. Fuck you. It was for you too. Whoa, you are interesting. You're interesting. For the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I've, I've known that because I've led Bible studies. I've led worship groups. I've, I've spoken in front of large congregations congregations and stuff i've led prayers and stuff and like it's always like you get this feeling and you're like oh that that was god that was a swelling of the spirit when really it was like a call to perform like i really loved performing right and then like i wasn't allowed to just be like, like hey let's kick god out of the equation you know it's funny that you say that but like a lot of things in my life have been like god doesn't necessarily need to be involved if in you it. got an oscar would you thank god I don't know. That's a great question. You don't know? Some of my better shows I get off and I'll say, God bless you and stuff. Like, I'll catch myself saying shit like that. To who? To the, the crowd. The audience? crowd will be cheering and I'll say, God love you or something. And I just... Do you I, touch all their heads? Sometimes with oil. <laughs> what was I going to tell you? <laughs> with oil? I would be so mad if I was in that audience. It's what a, the... Get uh, that oil. He anointed me. <laughs> Here's something funny. Like, I was talking to someone recently and they were telling me how they prayed. And I was like... Uh, what do you mean by that? What do you mean you pray? And they were like, you know, I just think about things that I'm grateful for and I'm happy for. And I was like, oh, I do that too. That's some Alcoholics Anonymous shit, like walking around and thinking about what you're – like that's basic happy science. If you want to be happier, take 15 minutes in the morning and make a gratitude list just in your mind while you're showering. Mm -hmm. It will work. If you're just happy that you have a shower, you have heat, you have a car, you have a family, whatever it is. And they're like, and I thank God for those things. And I'm like, I like that, but I kind of wish you could leave God out of it. Like, it doesn't need to be a spiritual thing in that instance. You, you can, know what's funny? You can hate, if it helps. I hate to cut you off, but it's <laughs> you time. Love to cut me off. You love to cut I me asked off. comedians on Twitter to DM me questions for you, and, you know, there was a dry spell. No one really was writing in. I don't know what that reflects, but we just got one in from okay. Nate Bargatze. I know the Bargatze. He said, why did he tell me to get married, and then he got out of his marriage? Did he really say yes. that? Yes. <laughs> and that's it. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> no pleasantries. Holy shit. I've actually had a good amount of... What's that? He told me that. He said that. Well, you know what's funny is I actually do have some guilt about that. I don't know how Nate is doing. <laughs> I honestly don't. What's that? He's good. They're married and have a kid. Yeah, he's married and has a kid. I still don't know how he's doing. I mean, like, do you... I, like, he's moving here. Let's... We, none of us can possibly know how Nate is doing. But I have... I mean, beyond the facts. He is still married. He has a kid and he seems happy. Um, but there have been people that when I was married, I advised them to get married. One of my good friends I told to get married. Yeah, everyone who's married, it's like a cult. Everyone it's a who's cult. married is like, get married, get married, get married. Everyone who's single is like, marriage, you shouldn't, I don't know. Da, 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 da. Exactly. It's like everyone wants you to be on their team because then it's you can socialize marriage. as couples or socialize as singles. And when you're one or the other, it's not fun to mix with the other. And others. when you break up, you lose friends. Like some of them, like they, they yeah, pick which one. Yeah, couples don't want to hang out with some divorced guy. And Nate is one of those people that I remember when he wanted to get married. Or when his girlfriend wanted to get married, I should say. He was like, I don't know, should I get married? <laughs> That's not good. Yeah, that was not good. <laughs> I don't know, Hannibal, should I get married? I was like, Hannibal, you can't get married. That's matrimony. That lasts forever. <laughs> not as good? Anyway. It was all right. Um, so there have been a couple people in my life that when I was married, I was like, it's where it's at, man. This is the cat's pajamas. You should get married. And then they did you get married. You should get cheated on, man. It's awesome. <laughs> and Well, that's kind of where I'm at now is I'm like, I, tr- I try hard to not be on the team of get divorced. Mm. But I can find myself sometimes right. being like, yeah, you should split up. You should yeah. get married in your 20s and then get divorced because it worked out for me. Right. But that's not good for everybody. Sometimes people on Twitter and uh, will email the show and be like, hey, man, some people get married in their 20s and it was the right thing for them. And there you go. God love you and I'm happy for you. Uh, but with Nate, I remember specifically feeling like a guiding factor in his getting married. And the other friend that I'm thinking of, definitely a, a guiding factor in his getting married. And then when I got divorced, I remember both of those couples being a little bit like, hey, like you told <laughs> you me. Us. And then like when, oh, fucking jerk Petey Pants being like, it's the best. I can take a bath in macaroni and cheese. And like my career starts doing well and I get to be all selfish right. and do whatever I want. And they're like, fuck you. And you know what? I completely get it. Fuck me, man. Fuck me forever. So, Nate, I agree. It's <laughs> a great question. Um, someone says, what is Katie's job? Is all that she does is remind you what you were talking about when you start rambling on to something else? Uh, I would block that person on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Katie works for Nerdist, right? You don't even know she has a cool title. She's the Podcast, Podcast Network, Network producer. producer for Nerdist. All right. That sounds good, Katie. Katie produces all the podcasts. She uploads them, and she gets us more space online, and she edits them. Sometimes we have to take things out. I accidentally said a racial slur on the Paul Shear episode, and we had to take that out. <laughs> but then just keep plugging it. Yeah. Just keep reminding – let people guess which one it was. It was, it was one of the most – it was the, one of the least offensive ones. I'll say that. Um. And you've never fucked up. She's never fucked up once. Someone said, there have been a lot of things on the show that I was like, if that got out, we'd be in trouble. And Katie's always taking it out. <laughs> All right. Daniel Day-Lewis is sitting on a chair in front of you. Your objective is to crack his stone face and make him laugh. <laughs> what would you say to make this happen? Oh, my God. I'm an oil man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you've cracked yourself up. That's not part of the objective. <laughs> if I have a milkshake, 
and I have a straw that reaches all the way. <laughs> all the way. I drink your milkshake. I, I love this. that movie so I much. I hated it. You, you hated it? Hated it. Give me the blood, Eli. Hated it. Let me get out of here. Hated it. I'm, forgive me, Lord. That movie is so great. It's everything. It's 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 religion. It's it's a uh, it's go gettedness. It's like a guy who's trying it's to make It's not everything. It's it's, everything. it's a couple things. It's everything I care about. Yeah, exactly. I am the third revelation. Yep. Okay. Feeling pretty good about that. Um, how often do he you He makes a man confess that God is a superstition and he does it for Great. money. And, <laughs> you know what's funny is you see you never had faith. And then there right. and then a lot of people that lose their faith in college like the normal way. I'm into movies like The Gray, There Will Be Blood. Anything that's like the things you learned in college, I learned later. That's why I'm still into them. Someone said, what was your dad like? He's still alive. I mean, sorry, what is your dad like? (laughs) Someone also said that you never talk about your childhood. You only talk about like after you were 20, but you don't talk about your childhood. Oh. and, And that they think it's psychologically compelling that you don't. Um... Yeah, I guess that's true. I, you and I have talked about this, that I don't remember most of a good portion of my childhood. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, that's a red flag. I actually dated a girl once that told me that, and I was like, check, please, uh, which is so hard. Isn't that weird that you see things in other people that are the same bullshit that you have, and you're yeah. like, I have no patience for that. Yeah. Sucks. I can't show myself. I can't show other people the compassion that I show myself. Anyway, um, good childhood, but I mean, uh, how to sum it up? My parents didn't get along. <laughs> they didn't get along. So there was a lot of fighting. And they, they're just very different people. And uh, they, they, they started to get along when I turned like 28. <laughs> and, and as my mother put it, she gave up. Uh-huh. She gave up like trying to change him. Right. Which is so sad. When I hear I that, I'm like, that is just so sad. But, but now- also, I don't know. I mean, it's like you shouldn't be trying to change someone. You're supposed yeah. to be supposed to be with someone where you like who they are now. And if they got better, that would be a great bonus. But yeah. you like who they are uh, to begin with. Right. Yep. It's, it's a big thing, a Ow. big relationship thing where it's like you go to relationships to give love, not to get love. I think, I think my, my mom was looking to get more love from my father, more attention and sort of stuff. And he worked a lot, a lot, a lot. And, you know, there was also drinking involved. Uh, not traditional, you know, when a man loves a woman, alcoholism, but, you know, some... But more like Ike Turner alcoholic. <laughs> was he even an alcoholic? I don't even know. He was a rageaholic. Uh, so a lot of my childhood was, like, spent keeping the peace. That's where, like, this kind of, like, <laughs> sweet Pete kind of character was born. Was like, Although I do think that is who I am naturally, but that's where I started, like, performing at the dinner table. You know, you, this is all Al-Anon stuff. I learned how to put my own feelings aside in favor of making other people feel better. Mm-hmm. Right? I thought that would interest you more. <clears throat> You're looking at other questions. Um, are you ever going to do a... Uh, but I had a good childhood. <laughs> okay, good. But that's where I learned how to be funny because I wanted everybody to be cool. That's it. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, what's the next question? You had unrest in your home. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't horrible. We had a, you know... It's weird because we were raised in such a way that, like, even to this day, if we acknowledge that it was stressful growing up, like it was hard growing up at my house, we're so programmed to be like, but it was good because we had 
we went to private school. We lived in Lexington, Massachusetts, like a nice place to live. My parents grew up in fucking South right, Boston right. where they got like jumped and shit. My mom got like turnips thrown at her because she's like Lithuanian and was, <laughs> was born in like the throes of World War II. But my mother has been like your childhood was as stressful as mine was. Like that's what she thinks. Yeah. And, that, and that's good. At, at now, yeah, I feel that way too where I'm like, why am I so angsty? What, I had, like, slightly annoying parents or divorce, yeah. but it doesn't seem warranted when you hear other people's stories. Yeah, but I, yep, but then, at, like, kind of like with my divorce, there comes a time when the real mature response is to acknowledge that it was traumatic. Right. It doesn't matter. Your parents are Greek gods, and they're fighting. Right. And you're, you're the size of an ant, and it's terrifying. Right. It doesn't matter that I was in my bedroom that's bigger than my apartment in New York, you know, uh, it doesn't matter. It was scary and it was hard, and that's where I kind of developed this, you know, simultaneous confidence and anxiety that I have at all times. Right. Hmm. Um, someone said, "Do you ever plan on having well-known comics on your podcast?" <laughs> that's George M. Derrick. Who who does he want? I don't know. That's a weird question. He gave him Zach Galifianakis. He gave him Zach Galifianakis, Sarah Silves. Um, Jude Apatu. That's a silly here. question. He's I'm breaking balls. I'm having deja balls. vu right now. Really? Yeah. That usually means you're on the right track. It does? Yeah. Um, Pete, have you ever participated or pictured sex with a man? If so, describe in, in detail the experience. I've had dreams where I'm with somebody and it's understood that we're gay for each other, but I've never had like a sex dream. Like I've had a dream where I'm with a guy and we like, it's like, oh, this is my gay lover. But like, we've never been like fucking. And I would be like, I'm at a place now. If I was having dreams of butt fucking dudes, I would tell you, but it's, it just doesn't do it for me. It's not like a secret desire. Although I will say that I think everybody's a little bit gay. Someone said, why do you always offer to hug people at your shows when you hate it? It's awkward for the people who hug you as it is for you. We like you and don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. Ronnie Johnson, you offer to hug people at your shows? What a fucking weird question. First of all, I love hugging people. You hug, you offer to hug people at your show? Well, sometimes, well, after the shows, people will come up and say hello. Uh-huh. And usually what I do is I'll talk to them a little bit. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain thing people do with their bodies, their body language, that you can tell or what they say that they want to hug. And I typically, I think I'm pretty good. Apparently I'm not, according to Ronnie. I'm good <laughs> at telling. Ronnie Johnson. I'm good at telling who wants a hug and who doesn't. Uh -huh. So I'll say. Are you talking about for photos or just you are putting both your arms around a complete stranger in a comedy club? Yeah, I'm just hugging a stranger. That's crazy, dog. Is it? These Seems people like know how I lost my virginity. These people now know how it was growing up in my house. These people, like, I mean, like, we feel like a kindred thing. People come up and say, I love you all the time. Like it's, like, it's a normal thing. They know me very well. I think hugging is a natural extension to this relationship. That's how I feel. And I also happen to just really love hugging people. So people come up after the show. And they, they say how, you know, the show helped them or it moved them or this or that. Or sometimes they'll share something special about their lives are something weird about themselves. And then I think the natural conclusion to that exchange is to hug. And it makes me feel good. Uh, people have come up and done the 20-second hug with me after shows, too. It's What's wonderful. What's a 20-second hug? That's not wonderful. That sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> For us. <laughs> a 20-second hug is, is something we've talked about on the show, that there's something that happens if you hug somebody for 20 seconds uh, that it releases this uh, chemical in your brain. And it works. If you hug somebody for 20 seconds, you'll feel better. 
And people do it after shows. I'm kind of offended by that question, but I also understand. He must. It's so weird to me that that question bothers you of all these questions. I think Ronnie is assuming that I don't actually want to hug people, but I do. So it's okay that he's wrong about that. I think he's trying to let me off the hook and saying you don't have to. But the truth is I want to hug people. That's so strange. And if they want to hug, then we do it. That's so strange. Every once in a while, I'll be wrong. And I'll be like, you want to hug? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay. That's so weird. You say the words you want to hug. Is that weird? That is so weird. What's weirder? I I do a podcast where I talk about crying to my wife in a house in Sleepy Hollow on my birthday because she stood me up. And she asked me if I was drunk. And I said, how can I be drunk? I've been alone all day. Touching another human being. That is so much more vulnerable, that story I told. I told the story about my father crying on the phone with me. I don't think that's... I, there's something about crossing, like, physically embracing someone that seems really intimate for a comedy club fan. There's... I understand that. I think there's... We've talked about this. We talked a lot about, a lot about hugging. People who tend to be pattern-recognizing people, people who tend to be, like, more positive, positively swinging people, religious people, spiritually seeking people, tend to be huggers. And I'm definitely a hugger. And I run into a lot of them on the road. And it's weird. I think I made a good case. You feel like you know me really well. I'm really grateful that they listen to the show and that they've given me that kind of love in taking the time to spend with me. A hug seems very natural. And sometimes a little fingering. Someone said, what is, it like, what is it like to be interviewed by the world's greatest comedian? <laughs> what uh, came first, your laugh or your need for attention? How many more times will you have to bring up Eminem before he does the show to get you to stop? How does it feel to be so attention-starved that you upload your therapy sessions twice a week? Does anyone have a restraining order against you? Do you ever feel like a placeholder for the donkey Chelsea is going to get? Do you ever th- <laughs> think you'd have better luck with women if you went to lesbian bars? Is Ryan Gosling shirtless in the painting you have of him? And then he ends it. Thanks a bunch. Love both the podcasts. Hope Pete doesn't get offended. <laughs> I'm not offended by any of that. Ronnie, yeah. Ronnie is the only person that's offended me so far. Ronnie Johnson. Uh, it's great. Chelsea, it's a privilege to be your friend. I really love you, and I'm so glad that you're in my life, and it's great that you did this. Someone- uh, Ryan Gosling, it's just his face. Um, Eminem, I was actually just going to bring him up. We talked about that. That was one of my rock bottom moments when we were like, am I drinking too much? Because I drunkenly emailed my oh, agents. Yeah. On my, I was watching 8 Mile, yeah. lit. Lit. Just real lit. <laughs> and uh, emailed my agents, who represent Eminem as well, yeah. and said, it's, I know it's a long, the, the subject was long shot. <laughs> the body of the email was, do you think Eminem would do my podcast? Yeah. And I woke up the next day with real uh, drunken regret, just like, what the fuck? It was so embarrassing. And my sweetheart of an agent just responded, like, genuinely, was like, I don't think he'd do it. <laughs> you know, like, he was that just like, he's kind so of, you know, funny. personal. I was just going to bring him up because Eminem has that lyric where he says, believe it or not, I thank my mom for how she raised me in a neighborhood daily that jumped, in a neighborhood daily that jumped and chased me. It only made me who I am today, see? That's what I was thinking about when I was talking about my parents fighting. That idea that when I have kids, we've talked about this, like my wife and I should manufacture some some discontent to make them artists. I don't think you'll have to manufacture it. <laughs> you are such a bitch. Uh, so it's, we've what are the reached, other questions? I'll answer the other ones rapid fire. Oh, I already scrolled past them. That's I mean, right. I was just reading it because I thought it was funny how rude they all were. And then at the end, he's like, love both of you. Yeah. Well, we get that a lot. Uh, we're coming up to two hours here. So I think the final question is a fitting one. This is from Mark Levy. We've gone over two hours before. This is from Mark Levy. Yeah, 
they can fucking shut up. This is from Mark. Closing the comic book shop. Fucking relax. Mark Levy. Not you, Katie, them. Okay, go ahead. Mark Levy wonders. As a diehard Pete Holmes fan, we've met several times and you're always the kindest person ever. You give the best hugs. I was just going to say. Just kidding. He didn't say that. (laughs) Mark Levy. Mm. As a diehard Pete Holmes fan, we've met several times and you are always the kindest person ever. I was curious mainly because I started a podcast myself, but does every episode need to be two plus hours? Love the show and never missed an episode. Just an honest question. Uh, you know, I appreciate the way he phrased it. I have no idea where people, why people ask things like that, where people kind of like, what I really want to say is like, people criticize the laugh. People criticize the way I interview that I talk about myself too much, that the show is too long or whatever. And it's like, it's okay. It's not for everybody. This is my show and we're going to do it this way. Yeah. And that's okay. This this is the way that I like to do the show. Jess St. Clair did the show and we, we went well over two hours. And I was like, that's how it is when Jess and I hang out. And we were scatterbrained and I talked too much and all that sort of stuff. It's like, that's what the podcast is. And like, I never intended it for it to be anything. Just when we started it, when if you listen to the first episode of the show, Kumail and I were like, well, that's an hour. And then I ended it just when I thought we were like getting into it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do we... There's no, there's no rules. That's one of the great things about this medium. There's no right. nobody to answer to. Chris Hardwick, I'm sure, doesn't listen to the show. Nobody cares about the show. It's just how long are his episodes usually? They do an hour. Yeah. I think most people do an hour. <laughs> and Nick Roll said when I did his another reason you should listen to it. He was like, no podcast should be longer than an hour. And I was like, okay. But the number of people who come up and get a hug and then say mm-hmm. things like, thank you for not listening to people saying it should be shorter. A lot yeah. of these people are listening to these uh, shows. While they're like driving trucks. Driving trucks, long distance hauling, that sort of stuff, overnight security, parking lot shifts, people in cubicles that are doing data entry where they don't need people to People like, who are trapped. People who, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for fucking That's it. who you're catering to. People who are trapped, they have nowhere else to go. They cannot find any, <laughs> any I, escape. I, I don't know how true that is, but I do get a lot of people saying- Thank you, because when the show starts to wrap up, it causes them anxiety. I look. Did you ever have anyone weep in your arms and thank you? (laughs) I've had a couple people get emotional. I get emotional thinking about this show. This show has changed my life for the better. It's when when do you find out if your pilot is? I don't know. Jesus Christ, man, this has been a long wait. You're starting, is your healthy lifestyle falling apart? Yeah, I've gained 10 pounds. You have? Uh-huh. <laughs> I called it the Pardo 10. I texted Jimmy Pardo today. We were, we were texting back and forth, and he said that when he was waiting to hear about his pilot, yeah. he gained 10 pounds because he was eating Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. Mine's all alcohol, but it's, oh, no. it's the same. It's, it's just not. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to feel that swing going back into like a healthy mode, but like it, mm-hmm. there was a time where I was like, Ugh, just kind of falling apart. But I, I, I was going to say that, like, one of the, the key factors that, uh, to being happy in, in my own study of, you know, self-help and all that sort of stuff is a feeling of contribution. So when it comes to – I know this is going to sound a little hoity-toity, but, like, I have my therapist. I have the reading that I do. I'm, I'm big into self-help. I'm big into good conversations with you, uh, the, you, know, a, you know, the different things that I go to. I was just going to say that thing that I'm not supposed to say, that thing that I go to that you're, like, you're not supposed to – Alan on. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it means a lot to me to have this. It's like kind of like the most rewarding thing in the world 
when people do come up and say that it changed them, I'm like, it changes me too. And the fact that it's making people, somebody came up to me recently and was like, I lost a hundred pounds because of things they were talking about on the show. Or like, I moved out of my mom's basement or I went back to film school or all these different things. Or I broke up, uh, I got out of a, a horrible codependent relationship or like, uh, you know, that stuff is, I think the most important work that I've done. And I'm grateful to have this show. Would you say you, <laughs> would you say you are your own Christ? <laughs> oh my God. You know, it's funny that you say that because like the answer is yes. No, the answer is <laughs> this is my filthy uh, ministry. It's true. All the butt fucking jokes and all the jerk off topics and all that sort of stuff. At the end of the day, this feels more like what I want church to be than what church is to me. When we're talking about that lack being in the business of truth, not being able to say certain things, having to answer to a, a book or an ideology. Here we are, just a couple people, and it's different every every episode, trying to figure it out from the ground up. That feels that, that feels like some good, godly work. Even though the my mom would be upset at the things I say on the show, my church would be upset by the things I say on the show. This this does feel like a filthy ministry. Dot com. <laughs> It, that's not a website. I was thinking it would. You should end on this. Does feel like a filthy ministry, and then like organ music. But. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly cannot believe that no comedians wrote with questions. That's kind of mind blowing to me. Hmm. Um. Anyhow, well, Nate. I mean, Nate did, but no one else. And Nate asked kind of like a weird cry for help question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're all right, buddy. <laughs> we love you, Nate. I do like Nate. I like Nate a lot, too. Well, I feel like it's it's 500 degrees. They're shutting down the building. It feels (laughs) like it might be time. I don't know. I thought that was an interesting answer for that last question. You know, like, how much do you take criticism to heart? Do you ever, has there ever been anyone, anything someone's tweeted to you that has made you change how you do the show? Yes. What? Uh, specifically at the beginning of the show, I, I referred to non-comedians as civilians and, oh, that, right, and, and right. people really didn't like that. And I completely understand that, that that's degrading and, uh, you know, separating. And then, uh, fucking Jess St. Clair just said something so fucking brilliant to me. It was so moving and I, w- I was surprised that we didn't get it on the podcast, but we sh- she was talking about some people being born with an awareness of the... Co- I don't see it. And I, I, the civilians thing, I would just like to say, I don't think it's... The, I would respond more to people saying it's two hours is too long than I would to people saying you can't say we're civilians. Because to me, it's like all that implies is that we're in the trenches together in a field in which you're on the road all the time. Yeah, I you're getting heckled all the time. It's not about... Believe me, I get people it. are funny or not. People are funny. Who like, A lot of my friends who don't do comedy crack me up all the time. But it's like... The civilians thing is saying, you know, there's a mentality of like we get up on stage and face these people in a way that they never have done before. And I think that people who are fighting that are like want to feel that they're all like it's all equal playing field. And like, yeah, I can tweet a joke and it's just as funny as what you said. Or I can. I don't know. I I understand if a dentist (laughs) referred to me as a civilian and his dentist friends as other dentists, I would I would understand that. But the way we opened that up was I I believe that there are introspective people, people with brains that are a little bit overactive, or I I would just say regularly active in the way that we consider our brains. And then we just opened the term up to weirdos. It's like they're weirdos. That's disgusting. 
I don't think it is. <laughs> I think the weirdo. I mean, I think like I mean that's my personal thing. Like, there's everyone's on Twitter now, and everyone has podcasts, and they name their fans. To me, like I would be more annoyed if I was a fan of someone's by them calling me a nickname that means you're a fan, yeah. Than by just saying, you know, comedians think of non-comedians as civilians. Like, it's funny to me that they think of being called weirdos as inclusive. Because to me, it's like, oh, you're my little weirdos. You're my little fawning fans. Oh, but I'm a weirdo too. Yeah, that's like, it's like this a, is like the whole Lady Gaga thing. Like, you're like on this whole uh, cult leadership. <laughs> no, no, I, maybe. I, I guess. I mean, there, there's certainly notes of that, I suppose. But what I was going to tell you, and what I really think is a, is, a, is a weirdo attribute, is the idea, what Jess St. Clair told me, which she was like, her father told her that there are some people that are born with an awareness of the cosmic joke mm-hmm. of existence. And I was like, oh my God, that's completely what it is. It's like people weirdos that are aware or, or you know see I think of that as people who have a twinkle in their eye but I would never brand that as well, my listeners <laughs> I, I, I'm actually I don't mean listeners of the podcast uh-huh. they're weirdos that don't listen to the show I'm just saying it's a category of people let's just say it's people with twinkles in their eyes mm-hmm. I'm just saying people that are aware of the absurdity when something's funny when something happens to you that's funny it's funny on like two levels it's funny that it's like just objectively funny mm-hmm. something happened you saw someone fall down but then it's also funny in this other way, this rippling eternal way that you're like, this is what life is? I just saw this guy fall down. And it's almost, it's very hard to articulate, but you have this awareness of the cosmic joke. And it, other people just seem to be a little bit more on the surface, which is fine. Mm-hmm. The, the downside of being aware of the cosmic joke is we do tend to be a little bit darker, yeah. we, a little bit more moody, a little bit more extreme, mm-hmm. a little bit more um, you know, borderline. Have you ever, did I ask if you've ever taken the Myers-Briggs test? No. What is that? It's like, you know, in high school, it's a series of tons and tons of questions. You take it and it tells you what your personality type is. And then I think the idea is it places you with different career, ideal Uh, careers. But for me, it's just like, it's been interesting because I took it 10 years apart and I got the same result both times. And you answer a lot of questions. and, um, And as you're talking, I think like those types can be, you know, identified maybe. Interesting. In that way too. I'd like to see that. Are we going to call Marin? Oh, I don't know. I feel like we should end this. I know that you seem like a little kid that doesn't want his birthday to end. I do like my birthday. I know, but it's like... I love birthdays. I feel like you... you, Oh, you want him to... I don't know how you call people at your podcast. You just have to do it on speaker. Oh, you can do it? Yeah. This is going to turn into like another hour. I really do have stuff I need to do. (laughs) I mean, we can call him... It'll take five minutes. He's not going to give me that much time. Yeah, he's never talkative. He won't even answer. If I call, he won't answer. Just hold it. There you go. Thanks, Katie. <laughs> this will be the last thing. It's like it just keeps going. Do you really feel that way? Well, I, I just feel See, like- there's two things. There's the awareness that it's going over two hours, and then there's how I feel right now. I feel fine right now. If it feels like it's over, then you end it. It's like a Pollock painting. Oh, my God. How do you know when you're done making love? It feels like it's over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, when someone's, like, I don't like staying in a restaurant. I don't think this is working. Are you calling? Is yeah. plugged in all the way? Hello? There we go. 
Like I don't like staying in a restaurant after everyone's cleaning up and I'm the last people there. So you're Katie saying that they're closing down the building does not make me feel relaxed. And we'll be okay. That doesn't calm me down. It's like when someone's like, that's fine. Let's just keep ordering food. Hey, it's Mark. I'll leave a message and I will react, respond, return, <laughs> whatever's necessary. <laughs> Sorry, that mailbox is full. Popular. Things are going good. In Mark Marin's career. Hey, this is Mark. I will respond, reply. Love it. Well, I think that's a good ending point, right? That there. is a great ending point. Mark, best of luck. Everything seems to be going great for you. No wonder Pete chose to emulate you in such an exact manner. I've never made qualms about that. <laughs> what's your What's the name of your podcast again? It's uh... Call Chelsea Peretti. CallChelseaPeretti.com will redirect you to Feral Audio's site where you can see my... I have five episodes up. That's great. I got to call in. Yes. I got to do it. Well, thank you, Chelsea. 100 episodes. All right, Pete. You did it. You did it. Now, I, I, I have to say keep it. You know, you have to ask me to say it. Mm. Will you? No. Will you, you know what? Ugh. You have to ask if you have to, you're hosting the show. Do you know that someone said a question? Will you do the intro to the show? Will you read my tour dates and shit? Someone said, no. Someone said uh, that you are like a human being that has catchphrases as if you're on a TV show. But that, you're just a human being. Yeah, that's accurate. And then they said they, I don't know what they're Speaking question. of my childhood, I spent a, a bulk of it thinking I was on television. Just like yeah, it's like delusion. Yeah, no, delusion. no, completely paranoid, delusional. schizophrenic. Somebody, Chris Thayer, was just challenging me that this philosophy that I've been talking about on the show lately. When I have something difficult to do, like break up with somebody or whatever, mm-hmm. I'll be like, "This is hard to do," but I'll be like, "It's also a great episode of my life." Like if my life were a show, something difficult, something right. hard, like a surgery or the loss of somebody or, or a breakup. Yeah would be a good episode. People would be like, did you see the one where Peter had to get that uh, transplant or whatever? Yeah. So I try and remove myself from my life enough to be like, great episode. Right, It right. helps. It's delusional. Absolutely. No, that's cool. Keep it crispy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Keep it fucking crispy. I said I wasn't going to tell nobody, but I... Keep it crispy all day long. No, I keep it crispy all day long. No, I keep it crispy. Don't take your earphones off. <laughs> oh, no. <coughs> Thank you, Chels. Thank you for having me. This was an honor. No, you know, it's like <laughs> you have to. I'm trying to be sincere, but oh, okay. I, I really I do appreciate it. Bye. That's it? That's the end of your sincerity? <laughs> yeah. That's it? You're like, I'm going to be loving and bold and just say I appreciate it? <laughs> You can do better than that. No, I mean, you know, it's been a lot of laughs. God. Thanks for having me on, you know, on this monumentous occasion. You're, thank you for doing it. Thanks for all your great emails, guys. Weirdos. What a bunch of fun weirdos. And definitely not civilians. <laughs> You're part of the crew. What do you call your fans? I don't. I just call them people, human beings. I look at them as individuals and human beings. That's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. 
Now leaving Nerdist.com.